The mountains are calling. Let's escape the noise. This is episode 21 of the Just Trek podcast. Welcome to the Just Trek Podcast, where elevation is our recreation. This is your host, Justin Just Rock Ramon, coming to you from Los Angeles. On this show, you will hear stories and adventures from inspirational hikers, explorers, weekend warriors, to even creatives in the LA community and beyond. Join the Just Trek crew on our journey to True North. We aim to inspire, motivate, and elevate you to a higher state of well-being. You can follow us on Instagram at just.trek, Facebook.com slash Just Trek Official and our website JustTrek.net. Just Trek crew, what it do? This is your host, Just Rock. And on this episode, my special guest goes by the name Mitchell Doomlau. He is an LA-based peak bagger, award-winning director, video creator, DJ, founder of Video Content School and the Creative Haven Podcast, and is a member of the Just Trek crew. On today's episode, we talk about Mitchell's epic journey completing the SoCal Six Pack of Peaks Challenge, tips and tricks for capturing outdoor content, rising above the pandemic, launching Video Content School, and his show, The Creative Haven Podcast. We talk about our adventures on Mount Baldy, Strawberry Peak the Mountaineers Route, Cucamonga Peak, Mount Baden-Powell, Mount Wilson, Mount San Jacinto, and Ontario Peak. Mitchell is a renaissance man who has inspired others through his different media platforms, entrepreneurial endeavors, creative content, and his go-getter mentality. Here's a conversation I hope you enjoy. Before we jump into the conversation, I wanted to let you know that the Just Trek merch store is officially live right now. If you would like to support my podcast journey and represent Just Trek on your adventures, please make sure to check out justtrek.net slash shop. That is J-U-S-T-T-R-E-K dot N-E-T slash shop. We currently have a trucker cap and a tea piece available for purchase. I appreciate you all so much, and now let's get back to the show. What is going on? Welcome to the podcast, Mitchell. What's up, my friend? I am here in Santa Barbara, actually. I'm uh, getting away from Los Angeles for election day. Um, You know, just want to avoid all the Armageddon and apocalypse and uh, riding in the streets. But more that I'm sitting here, I realize that's really not going to happen. So I'm just (laughs) spending a vacation here in Santa Barbara on a Tuesday. And you're originally from Santa Barbara, correct? I am. So I grew up in Santa Barbara. The behind the music story is I was born in Philippines, moved to Australia when I was three, and then I moved to Santa Barbara when I was 10. Oh, I didn't even know that either. So I'm learning more about you right now. Oh my goodness. You know, it's crazy. Santa Barbara is so gorgeous and I had no clue about the scenery out there, especially the outdoor scenery until maybe like four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was because I went out there for like a company like retreat and then also for like a work event because I'd always gone to San Diego and I always thought San Diego is gorgeous, like gorgeous beaches, 
really chill vibe and atmosphere. But when I went to Santa Barbara, I was like, yo, that's just as close. And the outdoor scenery is spectacular. Mm-hmm. It is. I think that Santa Barbara, it's Central Coast. That's the 805. Or up the 805 because that's how I grew up. And the Central Coast is really different. So if you're not from the West Coast, um, California, you've got Bay Area, you know, San Francisco, San Jose. There's even more Northern California um, up, up north of San Francisco. Um, and then you have Central California and then you have Southern California. But in Southern California, you have Los Angeles and you have OC and you have San Diego. So SoCal is really big. Um, and so I grew up in Central California in, La- in Santa Barbara and it's very different vibes. It's small town vibes and it's on the very beautiful coastal town that also has mild weather. So it's not too hot, not too cold. And so I o- I've always grown up outside. I've o- I, my parents would always take me to the beach, to the park, wherever we would go. It would always be outside. So my mom and dad were never the type of people to stay indoors. We'd always be going out. Oh, that's great. I wish my parents were more like that as well. And I like how you just broke down like California into its different regions because you're correct. Yeah. People can't really describe where exactly Santa Barbara is, you know? So yeah. Yeah, that was a really good breakdown. Yeah, um, it's huge, man. I mean, it, I think people know when the when they see the uh, the fire news, they would uh-huh. just see the huge map of California because you have Humboldt County, which is north of uh, San Francisco, and it's. I we keep forgetting that in California to go from San Diego to San Francisco, driving the one hundred and one, that's around seven to eight nine hours, depending uh-huh. how fast you drive. And that on the East Coast, you're going through maybe five states already, right? <laughs> so very true. I yeah. mean, where I'm from, you go 45 minutes in either direction, you're in a different state. I'm from Baltimore originally. 45 minutes you're to an hour, you're in D.C., mm-hmm. you're in Pennsylvania, you're in Virginia. But in California, it's just one big-ass state. It's, it's, it's a big-ass state. It's a big-ass state. Yeah. But I love it. This year, this year, we both have discovered California. Well, you've helped me discover California through its outdoors and uh, mountains. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into all of that because we've gone on a pretty epic outdoor journey together this 2020. And I also just wanted to acknowledge that this is a really awesome moment for me and the show because me and you have known each other for a long time now, going back to like 2006 when we were heavily involved in like the hip hop and breaking community mm-hmm. myself as a b-boy and 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 also and as event producer and you as the co-founder of strife tv filming and documenting the street dance culture and you were also a dancer yourself and you're also one of the most talented friends that i know and now you're a part of the just trek crew and it just makes me so happy that you have discovered and developed like a new passion for getting outside. And Mm -hmm. also this year challenging yourself to summit these major peaks and mountains. And man, my God, the transformation is real. And I can't wait to reminisce about all the adventures we had this year. Um, But before we get into all of that, I first wanted to ask you, how are you doing, man? But more specifically, how have you been adjusting to life during the COVID-19 pandemic and all the social unrest that's been happening I know that in the very beginning for you, uh, it was it was rather difficult because it affected your business tremendously, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, yeah. So before everything went down with COVID and 
uh, BLM and really just COVID, you know, just the whole lockdown. I was on this amazing schedule for 2022 film uh for sony for disney uh to f- go out to virginia to film for i am mother with pharrell williams and his his concert um uh, something in the water there was also um bali i was supposed to film in bali i was supposed to flown in, getting flown out to bali you know also fun, getting flown out to um you know several other um gigs and i was i was supposed to go to a wedding in um what is it uh hawaii and then there was europe so at the end of the day i mean i just had a really great 2020 and i just like everybody else i was planning this amazing year and uh when the quarantine hit it was kind of a shock because no one ever knew that this could happen worldwide and so we i remember just sitting down and i was at the youtube space la so i used to be at the youtube space la once a week editing i love That's youtube right. space la i would go there every week just to edit because i have a lot of my footage there i film a lot of stuff at youtube space la i i um have a basically a drive there i've been filming there for five years and so that's like my escape i always go there either it's my we work or the youtube space la and i was at the youtube space i get there and they want me to wear gloves and and masks they want me to uh, disinfect everything that I touch. I have to, you know, uh, use hand sanitizer uh, every time I, you know, go in and out. It was just strange, and that's when I knew that it was going to be different. Because that was also the day that the markets crashed, and I was I will always remember this of the YouTube Space LA, and I was like, oh my god, the markets crashed. Cool, I get to buy some buy some stocks, and so I just I was in the YouTube Space. I was inside of the booth, just like just buying stocks, and. Then that's when we started hearing about the NBA. So the NBA shut, shut down because somebody got um, COVID. And then it was a few weeks in until we heard about South by Southwest, Cannes Film Festival, yes. Coachella. And then it was just this huge halt. Because then I remember when I heard that everything was going to get shut down and I went from I guess it's again the youtube space la i was there again i went straight to sprouts and i started buying up all the medicine so i started buying up all the immunity medicines like everyone was getting toilet paper and i'm like y'all are stupid because oh i once remember get, that era because once you get sick <laughs> like you're not going to be able to eat toilet paper and get better like you're going to need to get some uh some immunity um boosting uh, medicine or some treatments or something that's going to boost your immunity or treat a cough or treat you know um, an inflamed lung or whatever it was. I remember I was just going through all the symptoms. I'm like, I need to get medicine for all of this. Then I need to get food. Then I need to get this. And I uh, I panic buyed. I seriously panic buyed. And I stocked up my freezer. And my roommate left. He like left town. It was such a crazy time. And then when the quarantine hit, I just started playing video games, drinking wine because all my um, projects got um, canceled. And then for about a couple of weeks, I was a little depressed. I want to say depressed. I don't want to take away you know, from people who actually are clinically depressed. Like I was just sad and upset. And it wasn't until I think the third week in, I told myself, there's two things that I can do here. I can like wallow in my sorrows and spend the rest of my year inside crying about what's happening or i can actually take action and make sure that i don't have to bankrupt my business and fire my employees so i had 
I remember one time I was listening to 10X by Grant Cardone, and he said in the 2009 or 2008 recession, he said when people were retracting, he was going 10X. Like this mm. is the time to go 10X. This is the time for you to take over market share. Or in other words, this is the time for you to actually be more confident and more brash, more aggressive, and also uh, be out there more often because this is when a lot of your competitors, a lot of people are doing the opposite. So it's the same thing with stocks. When the stock market goes down and everyone's selling, that's when you should buy because you're getting bargain prices. And so anyways, when I went out and started you know, selling my products and selling my services, my video production services, it was tough. People said, you know, mm-hmm. we, don't, we, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. And um, it wasn't after a while until I got a uh, someone who was going to hire me to um, uh, film their real estate investment firm company, their luxury real estate in, Cal- in, sorry, in New York. They were going to fly me out. COVID restrictions. I couldn't go. So I figured out how I was going to do it remotely by directing them through Zoom, film on their phones and tablets. And then I was going to use stock footage and their existing footage, um, put it all together to create a pitch video for their real estate fund. And so when I got that done, then the snowball happened um, because that's when I knew that what I was doing was 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 working. I was out there putting myself out there constantly trying to sell myself and I was getting projects and clients. And that really helped with my confidence because at least my, I was getting my mind off of, I am a victim of the, of the virus. I am the victim of the lockdown. Rather than being a victim, you know, I was actually a champion. You know, I was going out there, inspiring others. You don't need to sit at home and not feel, um, you have power in this situation. Empower yourself, educate yourself, work on the thing you've always wanted to work on. If you got fired, maybe it's time for you to take up a new skill or for you to fix up your resume and find a new company or start that new business, whatever it is, it's the meaning that you put on a situation that's going to determine how you're going to move forward or backwards in that in that situation, because if a lot of people are going to say that, you know, COVID hurt them and they can't move forward and it, it's it's weakened their whole prospect in life, then that consistent, uh, uh, like low confidence in their outlook is going to basically turn them into this downward spiral where they're never going to think that they can get out of this rut. When you consistently put yourself in a peak state or in a confident mindset, knowing that you will find a way to overcome the situation. There are going to be some opportunities that appear that will either give you the decision to make a uh, say yes or no. And if you always have a bleak outlook in of the future, you may t- turn, down that, turn down that opportunity. But if you are confident that you can actually, uh, you know, improve your life, you may take on opportunities that are going to let your career or your life um, get better. And that comes down with, like, with business. Like if there's an opportunity from a company that you wouldn't work with before and you're just not confident you can provide for them. But if you have the confidence knowing I got to get this done because I got to feed my, you know, my future family or I have to, you know, get my mom out of this, out of retirement, whatever it has to be like, it's all about your meaning that you put onto the situation. So the meaning I put on COVID-19 is actually, and the whole lockdown is that this is the time for all of us to readjust and look at our lives um, introspectively and figure out what we truly want to do with our lives because it really put a halt on our finances, on our career, on our, uh, a lot of our, for a lot of us, our health, because we're going to go out to gyms. 
And so that's why the whole idea of like going out with you was so important because that forced me to get out. That actually was one of the reasons that got my self-esteem up. It got my confidence up. It gave me positivity. It gave me energy. It, it gave me a new um, respect for Southern California nature. It gave me a new um, appreciation for life. And so that's why I feel with the whole lockdown, like, like for me personally, it was such a blessing in disguise because I was able to readjust my, financi- my finances. I knew I had to f- take out a lot of fluff right here and also invest my money over here and then also take up these courses and be part of masterminds and groups that, ha- that help me grow my wealth. At the same time, I actually learned more about how to market and sell myself during this time so I can actually survive and made sure that my employees get paid. So all in all, like I'm feeling great. I have my ups and down moments, of course. I mean, human emotions is a human emotion, human emotions are a roller coaster. You know, it's just like waves. You know, at the end of the day, uh, emotions are just like waves, situations in life are just like waves. Everything is vibration and waves, right? And so I know that they're gonna I'm gonna have my low moments and I have my higher moments. So I tend to just like to keep it, I try to keep it nice and calm right in the middle. And right now, I'm just really confident about the future. I know that today is election day, and there's a lot of uh, uh, paranoia of what's going to happen. Look, I'm in Santa Barbara for, for that reason. At the same time, you know, I'm working, working on my um, my webinar decks for my new webinar. I'm, you know, uh, I've, I've got four pitches to send out to clients, all who want to work with me. I've closed some other deals to do some editing, and I'm preparing to go to Austin. So. All moving oh, forward. Man, all this here. stuff that you're saying is just giving me so much energy to just go out there and get it done and hustle, man. And just put yeah, our best foot forward. Get out there and just climb San Gregonio already. Okay? <laughs> climb that mountain. You will do it. Beat it to death. It's not going to defeat you. COVID is San Gregonio, okay? Oh, absolutely. What a great San mindset. San Gregonio in a rainstorm. Yeah. I don't know if you want to do it in a rainstorm, but that would be super <laughs> gangster. Um, so during this time, during the quarantine and the pandemic, was I'm curious to know, Mitchell, was there anything in particular that you also turned to for like a sense of normalcy um, during these times, whether that you'd be going back to an old hobby, going to an old family recipe or like watching old school cartoons? Was there anything that you found comfort in? Yeah, what it was for me was um, videos, uh, just shooting videos. When I was when we went out hiking, uh, I know we'll talk about this later. Uh, sure. I Go ahead. I used my phone to just to just film. So a lot of the things that I had scheduled for this year it all got canceled. And so I didn't have anything really to film. People didn't want to go out to film. There was a period of time where no one wanted to get get together to film. And so as a filmmaker, I uh, I I just I felt stifled. Same time, I'm a DJ, right? So I have found some normalcy with DJing online and putting it on Instagram. And then Instagram started shutting down my videos for copyrighted music. Did the same thing for Twitch. I did the same thing for YouTube. And I just, that really hurt me because I'm like, I love performing. So I guess I can't DJ. So I have to film. And so when we went on these hikes, I just had my phone and uh, a small little selfie stick. And I just felt completely free and creative. There's, um, the irony about being a filmmaker, well, a filmmaker that really wants to make it big is that, you know, you work so hard on your own stuff to get the bigger projects, but it's actually your own stuff when you start feeling more free. You're more free when you're work, yes. working on your own projects. And when you do get that commercial or do you get that short film or you get directed, you get hired for a project, 
you don't have that freedom sometimes because you have to make sure that your investors or your producer or your writer or your fans, whoever it is, also enjoys your work. When I'm out there in the mountains with my cell phone and a selfie stick, I don't give a fuck. You know, I'm just really yes. filming myself. I am I you've seen me. Like I would just say, Oh, I got an idea. And I'll just sit down my camera and I'll do something strange. And afterwards I'll go home. I'll hop on Premiere and After Effects for about four or five hours and knock out, you know, a really cool video, you know. And it was those videos, <laughs> funny enough, that Two of my friends were like, dude, I've been seeing your videos. Hey, I want to refer you to this project or can I hire you for this? Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And and the more I've realized how content creation is these days and how the idea of consistency and quality, it's always about consistency versus, sorry, quality and versus quantity. And it's tough because we all want to battle for those eyes, but we also want to have quality content out there. And so... I really do feel that whenever I am creating for for myself and just creating for the sake of creating, I create. I make some pretty cool stuff, pretty awesome stuff. I did the same thing with Yosemite. I did the same thing with Sequoia National Forest. And I think that what puts me back into normalcy is when I am creating. I think that's so... I always remember on our hikes you'd always be doing something like filming yourself. And I just mm -hmm. knew that I couldn't wait to see what you were going to edit or concoct on like uh, with the video aspect. And like when you posted like some of the Yosemite stuff in Sequoia, I was like, oh my God, that is so creative. And if you guys who are tuning in, make sure to check his Instagram handle. It's just Mitchell Dumlau, right? Yep, that's 8 it. 805? Yep. No, just uh, Mitchell Dumlau. Oh, just Mitchell yep. Dumlau. He At has Mitchell some of Dumlau. those videos on there. Yeah. And you know what? Just talking to you right now, what was really actually consistent is that I worked out every morning. Like I did a um, morning workout. Uh, I, I do a morning workout every morning um, at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Mm -hmm. It's called All Day Warrior. And I was doing it ever since May. And I did it because I was basically helping my parents uh, work out. I was like, hey, you know what? Let's. I'm just gonna work out. You can just follow me on Zoom. Let me teach you a little bit, and um, it just started becoming more consistent. Working out every single morning brings me normalcy. That's my that's my routine. So I get up now. I, I've I modified it because of um, a Tony Robbins event I just watched and talking with a lot, a few other um, entrepreneurs. I get up at 5 a.m., I read a book, about 10 pages or just 20 minutes, and then I read my, I have incantations and affirmations, and then I also have a journal, a journal, Awesome. you know, what I'm grateful for, what I did yesterday, um, and also what my plans are for today, and then I set up for my stream, I stream 30 minutes of working out, then we do 30 minutes of meditation, and then after that, I ask the question of the day, like, what is the one thing you have to do today that will move the needle in your life? Or who's someone in your life that you appreciate and how can you show them that appreciation today? And that sets my morning up for success every single morning. And wow, I love that. Yeah, that combination, I'm just telling you, it's, it's a really great way for you to feel accomplished before 8 a.m. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that what you said is so crucial to like setting like up your life or designing your lifestyle is that morning routine because that's mm -hmm. how you set the tone for the rest of the day, which is why I loved hiking so much, like waking up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and then, 
you had done so much already before like the afternoon hit, right? It's just like mm-hmm. you you put your best foot forward already. And everything that you mentioned is really powerful, what you said about the meditations and thinking about the people that you're grateful for, and then just also staying physically active. I think phys- being physically active is so crucial, especially now for our mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, being having an active physical lifestyle is one of the few things that will, you know, reduce anxiety, reduce depressive episodes. So that's really good that you had that 6 a.m. morning routine. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Mitchell, I want to get into your outdoor journey now. And I know you alluded to of this course. at the beginning of the conversation with growing up in Santa Barbara mm-hmm. with your parents and them bringing you outdoors. So I want to kind of pinpoint, like, how did you first get into hiking slash the outdoors? Was it initially your parents? And like, when did the journey really start for you? Yeah. I mean, when I was in Australia, uh, my parents used to take us out all the time. We would go to these caves called the Jalonan Janolan Caves. I'm ruining that. That's an Australian, (laughs) really famous, those famous caves. And we would go there every weekend. We'll go to the park every weekend. And these weren't hikes, but it just gave me the uh, experience of being outside and the joy you feel when you're outside of nature. Awesome. And then it wasn't until, uh, and then Santa Barbara, you know, when I grew up in Santa Barbara, I was always outdoors. We would, um, you know, we would bike around outside, have my little, my little biking squad. We had like all these BMX bikes, we'd bike around. Oh, uh, yeah, BMX days. Oh, yeah, going in the creek, you know, um, throw rocks, throw rocks at each other. <laughs> um, there's also times where I remember where, I would. I was actually part of a lot of Bible camps. You know, I grew up a uh, Christian, and so in junior high and a little bit of a high school, we used to go out to like summer camps. And so I would go out to summer camps and winter camps, and we would hike. We would be out in nature. So I just in my life, I've always been out in nature. And then when I was in college, you know, it wasn't really, hey, let's go hike. It was more like, let's go to the beach, have a bonfire, have some drinks, or let's go to a trip to Mammoth, um, or let's go to a trip to Lake Tahoe. And um, early 20s, you know, really went the working lifestyle. That's when it stopped, actually. Uh, Traveling was kind of like my outdoors. So I was more of a traveler. So I would go to, you know, just different countries, Europe and Asia, South America. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually hike around Los Angeles. You know, I would actually just prefer to just go to the beach and then maybe go up to Griffith Park, but I never went on a hike hike. And so it wasn't until, honestly, I remember this, it was New Zealand. Um, I went to New Zealand and I went on a, it's called the Wild Kiwi Tour. Wild and Kiwi Tour. Yeah, yeah, we hiked up this uh range called it was called the the castle rock range or something and it was a short hike but we went up all these rocks and i remember going up there and i was like this is freaking amazing so anyone out there who loves nature and wants to experience lord of the rings in person you have to go to new zealand it's just mind-blowing it's a postcard everywhere you look it's green it's lush it's got fresh air and there's even hobbiton where you can see where the hobbits live it's an old uh lord of the rings set and then I just remember from that point on, I I, I also hiked this um, national forest in the middle of Wellington. I forgot what it was called. Uh, and it was just beautiful, man. I just remember going around New Zealand like this is, what I, this is what I'm talking about right now. And so going around New Zealand really helped me. And then honestly, like I've always had it in me, but it wasn't until really this year 
when I was getting into peak bagging. Okay, I just didn't even know what that was. You know, I've I've heard of like Mount Kilimanjaro and Everest and Baldy before. I just didn't get why it was so cool to go up there. What was the point? Because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you know, I've, I've been up some really cool mountain hikes on while I was traveling, you know, and, you know, they're only like two hours tops, maybe three hours tops. And then I go with you and we're talking about 10 hour, 12 hour days. And that blew my mind. Yes. Um, and I just knew that when I first got into it this year on Strawberry Peak, it was on. Before that, I went on a hike. I believe it was, um, I was actually hiking for filming places. So I would go on hikes to find places to film. Like I would go on the Topanga Canyon uh, lookout or I'll go to the, um, what is that? I, I did a video in this old, It's it was supposed to be like a, it's an old abandoned Nazi camp in, in Pacific Palisades. Oh yes, it's called uh, Murphy's Ranch. Murphy's Ranch. I did hike down to Murphy's Ranch, um, hiked up, Eaton Canyon to film something. And so before that, it was more for the um, film scout, uh, you know, um, I like looking for ideas to film, a place to film. And so it wasn't for the, for the thrill and the adventure and for the another, not another notch on my belt of peaks that I've bagged. So I think now it's a different story. It's like a whole different challenge and, mindset because now it's just you know how high can i get how long can i hike and how many peaks can i bag it's uh, a new challenge that's actually the perfect segue into what i wanted to dive in with you now mm-hmm. and that was you you just mentioned strawberry peak and so this year mitchell embarked on this epic uh peak bagging challenge which is called the southern california six pack of peaks Mm-hmm. And what that is for the listeners, if you're not too familiar, there's uh, Southern California has this insane like outdoor lifestyle of like peak bagging. And basically the challenge is you summit all of Southern California's tallest peaks. And that includes mountains such as Mount Baldy, Strawberry Peak, San Gorgonio, San Jacinto, Mount Wilson. And there's a ton of other mountains as well. And there's also alternates that you can do. And what you do is you finish, you choose six peaks and you finish it in a calendar year. And it is just one of the most epic things to like explore your Southern California mountains. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is that LA and Southern California has some of the toughest mountains and Mm -hmm. not a lot of people know that like really steep, lots of elevation gain. Um, Like some of them are just some leg busters. And the first mountain that, uh, that you embarked on with me and the crew was Strawberry Peak, right? Yeah. And this was at the beginning of the year, I believe it was, I think the first week of January. It was. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And Mitchell had been seeing all the photos that I'd been posting on my you know, outdoor journey the past two, three years. And I was always constantly posting on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And then it, it I think it got your attention to the point where you're like, yo, like, bring me along sometime or like, let's hike. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let me bring you on these major peaks in Southern California. And I don't think you were too familiar with it. And I just kept nudging you, you know, I was just like, yo, are you free this weekend? Are you free this weekend? And then eventually you, um, one of the weekends you were free in January and you showed up and committed to it and it was strawberry peak. But of course, 
whenever it's somebody's first time uh, hiking with me, I like to do it like a little bit more strenuous and bring them on an adventure. So we did Strawberry Peak, the Mountaineers route. <laughs> <laughs> and for people not familiar, Strawberry Peak is in the San Gabriel Mountain Range behind, that's the mountain range behind downtown LA. And this hike is no joke, especially if you do it the Mountaineers route, right? And I want you to talk about like, how was that experience embarking on Strawberry Peak with me for the first time? And like, like you showed up in jeans first and I was like, <laughs> yo, what are you doing? Like I yeah. got some shorts. Like, can you, can you talk about like when you first pulled up at the gas station and then fast forward to the experience of like uh, the two rock scramble sections at Strawberry Peak and then after mm-hmm. that thoughts on the summit, like the, the floor is yours. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, um, I think when like last year I th- I was really getting into hiking because I was just hanging out with some, I, I was going out to some hikes, um, you know, with friends and they would, you know, tell me, Hey, you know, let's go up, you know, the Culver city stairs or Baldwin. And, Oh, you know what? Me, I, of course my friend who has, um, hike remedy, Chad, he has a, you know, a, a company that helps people who are in corporations or actually just people in general who want to escape the city life and want to hike. And it's called, um, remedy hike. And he took me awesome. on a few hikes and uh, he took me up to Sandstone Peak. Uh, I've done Point Doom, um, Mishmaqua. Is that how you say it? And, yeah, you, oh, uh, you've, done some, you've already done some really cool peaks already. Yeah. And it was the past couple of years and it was, it was from my friends who, you know, who just told me about these hikes in LA. And um, I love Santa Monica mountain range. So I would go up there on my way to Leo Carrillo and I just explore around Santa Monica uh, mountains. And so, during those times, I didn't have hiking shoes. Okay, I'm I'm wearing running shoes and jeans, maybe shorts, and so I never really thought I needed hiking shoes. I thought I was a tough guy, or I just thought it was a unnecessary. And so when I go, when I, when you invited me to Strawberry Peak, I thought I had this. I thought it was just another, you know, Cobra City stairs or Sandstone <laughs> Peak, if anything. And I thought I had it easy and so I'm, I'm i walk up with, with with jeans on and running shoes and i uh a backpack you know like a like a swiss backpack you know with a with a plastic bottle a plastic bottle and um i don't even know what else i had i think i just had a sweater and that's it and i roll up to the arco i think and you and matt looked at me and looked crazy like i didn't know what i was doing and I said, what? I got this. And then you gave me your shorts. So I put on your shorts and we went up the, uh, we went up to Sans, I don't know, Sans, Sans, Strawberry. And what I remember vividly is that we parked on the side of the road in a weird turnout. Yes. And I was wondering, why do we, why are we parking here? This is so strange, so random. And so that's when I knew like, okay, this is a serious hike. This isn't one of those Griffith Park uh, you know, hikes where you're going on to a picnic. This is you're like be... this is not even a trailhead, Justin. Like, where are you bringing me? Yeah, and so I'm a I'm the kind of guy that likes challenges, and you know, you're gonna throw me into the deep end. I'm gonna swim. So we went up the the mountain, and I started seeing just beautiful nature. It's going through all these creeks. We're going through. Um, I remember just uh, the whole route. It starts off going through a small little like forest with creeks, and then it starts getting into the side of a mountain with just no shade. And I just remember there's a lot of open ground and we're going up the mountain. It's hot. I don't have a compression shirt or dry fit or the right sh- shoes. And um, there's like this group of 
Chinese or Korean old old people who have hiking poles and they're crushing it. And I'm like, how are these? How are they doing this? They're my parents' age. And going up there, I, I experienced like euphoria because I think that that's when I realized how the mountain is just a kind of a metaphor in life because you know it's you get so caught up in the brush and in the steepness or uh, rolling your ankle or getting a cramp or feeling dehydrated. And it's either you quit or you keep going and you get to your destination. And so that's when I started, you know, I started cramping. I started, you know, hurting. And I, I was like, oh my God, it's just like life. Okay, no, fuck this. I'm getting up this mountain. So yes, yes, we, yes, yes. we go up this mountain and we stop and I uh, brought my drone with me. And so I've got this heavy little drone in my backpack and I start flying it. And then in my mind, I, I I remember someone telling me, don't fly your drone over national parks because it can fall and burn. And then you just started the wildfire. And that's when I had a new respect for the mountains and I stopped taking my drone. Um, oh, and that's wow. true. Cause I, I just, I just know in my mind, I've, I've flown, I've flown my drone over some really shady par- p- places. Like I've flown it over Kyoto over like a, um, a, 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 a like a world, what is it called? A uh, heritage site. And it was a palace and there was people in there, there's crowds and I'm just flying it over there. I'm flying it over New Zealand. And, and I just didn't really care because I just wanted the shot. And then it wasn't on t- until that hike, I was, I realized I did not want to be responsible for burning down these beautiful mountains. So that was the last time I brought my drone. And so no wonder um, you haven't brought your uh, haven't bought your drones ever since. <laughs> yeah, it's a respect. It's just a respect yeah, for mountains. I feel you. Same thing with Yosemite. Same thing with Sequoia. Like I just don't want to be responsible for that. There's other places I can always drone, and I can always just go online and find footage. And so, yeah, Strawberry Peak was powerful because of that realization about the metaphor and the mountain life, and you know, respecting the mountain and not bringing my drone. Getting to the top, we went rock scrambling. So you threw me into a sharp de- um, deep end filled with rocks. And it was funny. I wanted because... to see how you would do on the rock scramble <laughs> sections for sure. It was, it was just funny because we also went through like this thorn bushy area. We had to take out a machete. And then I just, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I don't even know if we're going the right direction, but I think we're going to be okay. And we go up the, the rocks and there are some points where you kick down a rock and almost hit me. And that's like, there's some points where you have to really like squeeze yourself in between tight cracks. And once you get to the top, it's this beautiful overlook and there's other people up there. And that's when I also discovered the hiking community and just the, uh, the camaraderie and also the closest that people get when you get to the top because you all completed a huge hike together. And they did the easy route. We did the hard route. So yep. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling all proud up there. And then uh, at the top, as we started doing some yoga, some stretching, ate my food, and then took our pictures. And then we we uh, started our descent. And so it was really, it was a great hike. Yeah, that was like, for you, for that to be your first like major peak and the route that we specifically did is just so, it just speaks to your character. That's why I was like, I think he'll be fine doing this because I know how Mitchell is. He's very fit. He's very active. I know he'll push himself. And just like, what did you think specifically about, because I always get 
it's always that second rock scramble that's nerve wracking for me. Did you find it mm-hmm. too technical or like how, like how did you feel about that second rock scramble up to the summit? Like, do you feel it was very doable or you have to wear a helmet or like, what was your kind of take on that? I thought it was doable. And of course for me, next time I wear pants, wear better gloves and have a full base layer, a long sleeve base layer. So I don't get scratched. Sure. And I think it's totally doable. I think that what really helped me get up those rocks was that, it's all about staying close to the rocks as possible. You know, you can't, you know, you know, stand up straight. Um, you really have to be down low, center of gravity, bear crawling, because then that just keeps your center of gravity low. And so I think that all of the different types of training I've done over the years, martial arts and uh, different types of, uh, you know, hit training and whatever it is with exercise, you know, I, I've learned the power of the core and, being close down to the ground and just being stable. And so um, I, it was okay for me. I think next time, like I said, it would just be a smaller bag and better gloves and a long sleeve and a, and a long pant base layer. Yep. Yeah, just to close the loop on Strawberry Peak for the listeners, if you're going to try this route, definitely just get those cheap $1 to $2 like garden working gloves at mm-hmm. your local like hardware store. If you want to be extra cautious, yes, you can have like one of the helmets, you know, because you never know because it's a, it, some parts are a little bit technical and you definitely need your like all trails or your Gaia GPS because to find this route is very, <laughs> it's not the easiest. As Mitchell said, there was a point where the brush and the thorns were so overgrown over the path that I did enough research to know that we need to bring a machete. So our friend Matt is literally macheteing <laughs> the machete thorn Matt. brush. And that's his new nickname, Machete Matt. And machete I posted Matt. it on my Instagram and people are like, what are you doing? Like, that doesn't look like fun. Like, what kind of hiking are you doing? <laughs> Seriously, oh, that's that was that was the, that was in my mind. I was when we started doing these hikes, I realized this is not fun. These aren't like fun, quote unquote, like fun hikes. You go up and you know bring up a bottle and start taking shots, and then let, but nope. unless you're Ray, um, so we <laughs> we do these as like a um, it's almost like a uh, a challenge tour in ourselves a. Uh, a day with ourselves and with our friends and it's it's a it's a different kind of experience um and i think that your audience is this type of audience who would would go up these mountains so you would understand just trek listeners how it is and why you would want to hike 12 14 hours um rather than i don't know um, play video games and uh watch uh kardashians yep (laughs) Definitely. Uh, it's funny too, because like when you get into your hiking journey, you're only going to have like certain kinds of friends that you want to bring on these hikes, right? They're not going to be your like family friends. Or, like, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be people that are down to wake up at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. To, to start on the trailhead by 5 or 6. So you definitely have to find some uh, new friends or people that are up to the challenge. That's for mm-hmm. sure. All right, let's get into the next one because we've there's so many peaks that I want to talk to you about. And I remember I was like, okay, Mitchell, you did Strawberry Peak. You crushed it. I'm super proud of you. The next step is Mount Baldy. And the claim to fame for Mount Baldy for the listeners is it's the tallest mountain in all of LA County at 10,064 feet. I love to call it our uh, local Mount Everest because it has snow on the peak, typically in the wintertime and even late until like the spring and summer, depending on the year. And... <laughs> Oh my goodness, this this story is just ridiculous because I decided to bring Mitchell 
on his this is his first time attempting Mount Baldy, and it was me, him, Francis Nyo, who was another podcast guest, and Matt, Matthew Kerr. And we brought Mitchell up Mount Baldy in a storm. And it basically turned into a blizzard. And you know, it was just one of those experiences that felt exhilarating at the time, but it was like, yo, this is this is not smart anymore. Like we can't trek any further because this is a serious hike. It's like 11.3 miles. We are um, going up the ski hut section and everything. And I just really curious to know, Mitchell, like what was going through your head? Because like the visibility was low. I I told you like, (laughs) you need to bring micro spikes. You need to be geared up. And I even made sure that we all got ice axes, but none of us have used an ice axe. So it was just kind of like this whole, I like threw you, I threw you and I guess all of us into this, like, you know, the deep end again, right? Just thinking that we would be okay. Obviously, I I take calculated risks and I wouldn't push it if I didn't didn't feel that it was safe. But what was going through your mind trekking up through the storm and like the, like the snow coming down harder and the low visibility? Like, what was your thoughts on all that? So I remember you asking me to go up there. I I think just, just the whole idea of going up to one of these hikes with um justin and just rock you know papa trek over here papa is that trek. then the days beforehand he'll send you a list and this list has all the items that you are required to bring on this hike or else you will die that's one of those lists and so pretty the, much the one for the strawberry peak it was it was you know i looked at it and i said okay this is kind of weird but okay i'll try to get some of these items and then after that hike i realized i need to get all these items and so the next Baldy hike, you sent out this list and it was maybe 25 items. I don't know how many items. There was a lot of items on there that I realized, okay, I need to step this up. Okay. So I went on Amazon, got, of course, the, um, whatever you had on that list. I got the Amazon version of it. And, um, I, uh, of course go to big five and get my cheap ass Denali shoes. And I, um, just get everything affordable for that week. Cause I just wasn't prepped. I, I couldn't, I just said, okay, you know what? I'm just getting anything that I can get right now. And so when you sent that list, I was, I was a little, I was, I wouldn't say I was scared. I just said, (laughs) I knew that this was going to be a challenge. So I had to prep myself for that. So I had everything ready. I basically wore my snowboarding outfit and then I go, we go into the car and we don't even know if it's going to snow. Remember, we just thought it was the chance of snow. So we start walking up and it was fine. It wasn't something that was uh, predictable because we were going up and we didn't see that many clouds. We thought it was just going to sprinkle like, and it wasn't until two hours into it that first snowflake started coming down. And in my mind, I thought this was just going to be light snow. And then 15 minutes later, it, it just came down hard and we're going up and I start uh, realizing I need gloves, I need to put my hood on, I need to put all of the different types of snow equipment on right now or else I'm going to freeze to death. And then we start going up and that's when we went past the ski hut and we made that decision whether or not we're going to keep going. And I think that we lost Matt. Matt then came back and said, there's these two guys that said, don't go up there. Or I think we tried to go up there to find him and the, there were these two guys that said, do not go up there, go back. And so... I knew that I wanted to keep going because I didn't know about Mount Baldy. We weren't even close. 
And so I said, you know what, F it. Let's just, uh, let's just stay at the ski hut and just um, enjoy the view. I mean, come on, we're in LA and it's, uh, I don't know, May? No, uh, February? It was Before, here, pre-COVID. Oh, it it's was pre-COVID. March. It was the beginning. It was the first week of March. First week of March. This is pre-COVID, y'all. So we were up there and um, we had to you know, stay at the ski hut and we were just admiring the snow coming down in Los Angeles, California. And so um, that was a cool experience. And in my mind, I loved it because I think, like I said, it's the meaning you put on things. Like I can look at that and say, hey, it's no to my parade and I get, I can be completely deterred and um, upset that it wasn't a sunny day and we made it to the peak. Or I can put another meaning on it and, and a new perspective that it's just awesome. I get to see snow in Los Angeles and I get to spend time with my friends inside of this random ski hut on the, on the middle of the mountain. And that, you know, we met a random group of people there, made some friends and we got out safe. And it's actually really fun going down because when you're going down, you don't see the switchbacks. So, and the snow creates this nice padding on the ground. So you can go straight go straight down the mountain which is pretty dangerous because there are there were times where like you step and then your half your leg goes down and you realize whoops okay i need to go somewhere somewhere else and you can't you can't find the path it was a little dangerous yes. to tell you the truth and so um i felt i was going to be okay i was with my just trek squad and i think also i just knew that i just knew that i was going to be okay all you gotta do is get down that hill and so <laughs> yeah i thought I it was amazing yeah that was and i like how you're talking about the perspective yes you know, you weren't able to make it to the summit and it was a clear day, but man, what a unique and special experience it is to see and witness snow come down in LA County inside of a ski hut that has like so mm-hmm. much history behind it, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually I funny. Think- there's a, uh, there's an inside joke in the community now. We refer to that ski hut as the Green Monopoly building. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, coined by RJ Saria from Traverse Outdoors. and. Nice. It was crazy, yeah, because we we took refuge in the ski hut because it was freezing. Like my hand, I could not feel my hands anymore. And then we were also in that cabin with a family from Tijuana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were just all like talking to them, and we were all having a good time, just trying to you know to uh, warm up a bit before we went down. But I'll never forget, like when we posted everything on social media, everyone was like freaking out, like "Yo, like where are you? Like yeah. it's, it's sunny where we are, but." where's this storm like in LA County? And I'm like, yo, we're in Mount Baldy. If you're not familiar, it's a special place, you know? Yeah. And it's, it was cool to, we actually went from, I think we did go from the mountains to the beach. I think we, did we make our way to Santa Monica beach? We went somewhere on the West side. I remember that. And to see snow one day to see snow one hour in the next two hours, you see palm trees. It's uh, it's magical. I think it's pretty cool. You can't really experience something like that in many places of the world, but in mm-hmm. Southern California, you can. Oh, yeah. All right. So that was our first experience at Mount Body. <laughs> Definitely one for the books. And the, the key thing, the key learning from that, everybody, is do not have summit fever, <laughs> especially if you've never used an ice axe and there's low visibility and the temperatures are dropping and you the mountain will always be there and you're always going to hear this, you know, over and over again in the community, but it's a very real thing because we want to make sure that we are, don't injure ourselves or risk ourselves and other people so we can continue living our lives and seeing these in crazy uh, and experiencing these incredible mountaintops. 
Mm-hmm. So Mountain Baldy in the blizzard was our first time, first experience for Mitchell. But then I was like, Mitchell, we got to do it right next time. We'll do it on a clear day. I want you to experience the tallest peak in all of LA County because Mount Baldy for a lot of Southern California hikers is their favorite mountain because there's mm-hmm. so many different ways to experience the summit and different routes to go up. I think there's like four to six different routes. And there's also different peaks surrounding Mount Baldy mm. that, uh, that are also just as cool as the actual summit. And I believe we did our second attempt of Mount Baldy. It was, it was end of May. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. So it was a clear day. It was gorgeous. We did the route. We went up Devil's Backbone. And then we went from Devil's Backbone all the way up to the summit. And then we went down the Ski Hut Trail. And what I want to ask you, Mitchell, is... What did you think of the Devil's Backbone? Because that is such a like it's such an awesome site and super unique, and it also looks treacherous. But it's really only treacherous in the winter time. And what did you think of the Devil's Backbone going up and down it? And then what was your feelings when you made it to the summit of Mount Baldy? Yeah, so just like our conversation earlier, this was the time after COVID first hit, and That's we were right. indoors. We all were locked indoors because we didn't know what was going on like i think we take for granted how much ex- quote-unquote experience we've had with uh covid19 measures and the virus itself for the past couple of months because the first month i don't think every, i think everyone remembers just everyone's freaking out i mean everyone's like what the hell is this this virus and so everything's locked down i'm i'm i've got antibacterial spray all over the place i've got gloves and masks in my car yes and so after a month, and, and I remember this, everyone should remember this, in April when people were thinking about, are we going to open up? Is this phase one, phase two? And I think that that's when people started getting antsy. I was, that I need to get out of the house. And so it wasn't until May that I was I was like seriously about to kick down the door. I was doing things like just driving my car to the beach and, and just looking outside at the beach or, you know, just, um, you know, hanging out with, uh, you know, ran like my friends through um, Zoom or you know playing video games or driving to a location and just standing outside. This is the time when it, like now I can go out and like meet uh, meet some folks like at a cafe outside with masks on. It wasn't like that. So why I'm saying this is that going on Baldy, that was like one of the experiences of going outside. Like I'm finally outside. I get to go out and actually experience nature without having to um, be you know, stuck inside. I was going to say, you know, scared of the virus, but you know, some people are anyways, we, when we, when you invited me out, it was perfect because I was such in the mood to get the hell out of my house and just doing things with my friends. So seeing y'all was amazing. You know, it was just therapy for all of us. Like what's up everyone. We're outside, we're in nature and we're going to conquer this mountain while there's a virus outside. Cool. Let's handle this. And when we went to devil's backbone and we're climbing up all these steep sections, it really hit me on how beautiful that, that hike is and also how perfect timing it was because again, we saw people on the trail who were experiencing the exact same thing. They're all outside. Everyone was stuck indoors for a couple of months or just a month or two. And so people were enthused. People 
there was a lot of people. Remember that? There was a lot of people out and just seeing each other. You know, this is, you know, when, when we were looking at each other, some people had masks and people didn't. We're realizing we can't really climb this place and sweating in my mask and suffocating on my own sweat. Like, I'm going to just walk <laughs> sure. up here without my mask. So anyways, like we were going up Devil's Backbone and I was just seeing it. It doesn't look steep from a distance. When you see it from that one sign, it looks pretty kind of flat and kind of easy. And so I thought to myself, all right, this is going to be a short hike. <laughs> of course, like as a newbie, that's what you probably say when you look at a, at a summit. Um, and I started going up that um, devil's backbone and it kind of uh, kicked my ass because um, Strawberry Peak was, uh, that was hard, but like Baldy was like another step up and like, two steps up. And so uh, experiencing steep sections, ex- um, experiencing loose scree and then also experiencing the um the the altitude and so it was all at once and um it was really fun to be do it with friends but it was also fun to see other people outside and i just loved the challenge i loved the workout i loved the exercise i love how strong i felt being at the top and so i think that balti experience was special because i think i i felt like i completed a, a really tall mountain like that was my first like major peak and so devil's backbone to me it was very humbling and it put me in my place in the hiking uh tiers of like of a of a newbie and and an experienced veteran so i was happy to actually go up there with people like you and the just trek crew who knew what what they were doing and you know it wasn't something that was tough to the point where i was about to give up it was just a long, strenuous hike that I knew I had to get through, and it would make me stronger at the end. Yeah, that Mount Baldy is a special place, and the Devil's Backbone is such a cool section. But it's that last push for the peak. You know exactly what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, where you see the summit, but there's like a couple fall summits that mm-hmm. just kind of like plays with your emotions, right? And you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. am I ever going to get there? And just to kind of backtrack, I almost forgot to mention this, but since at this point, I believe when I brought you on this hike, this was my sixth or seventh time doing Mount Baldy. Mm-hmm. And I knew of this really awesome nearby peak called Mount yeah. Harwood. Yeah, yeah. So I want to bring this up real quick. So before we continued further up the Devil's Backbone, I was like, I'm going to surprise Mitchell and Matt, and I'm going to bring them up to one of my favorite parts of this area, which is called Mount Harwood. And yeah. so you kind of go off the Devil's Backbone, and everything around you is so barren. It's like this moonscape terrain, if you remember, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the top, we were blessed with a snow-capped cliff, if you yeah. can remember that. And I was just like, yo, I can't wait for them to see this because it looked unreal. It looked like it was like a river on the, a river of snow on the side of the mountain. Like, what did you think of Mount Harwood? It was, um, it was a surprise and it was a delight because it was when you, when you see the snow on a mountain top and there's no other parts of the mountain that has snow on it it's a surprise it's a gift it's just something that nature gives you to appreciate its um offering to humanity so we went up this um to the peak and we saw it and i remember we were making snow angels you know matt had his shirt off and shorts on i don't know how he did that and um (laughs) we took pictures selfies you know had our snow moment and it just felt um it felt fulfilling because I think that when you climb up mountains and you, and you and you really experience mother nature and what nature has to offer it just gives you a appreciation for life and nature and 
and in general, and I just felt fulfilled. Like, wow, I'm here with my friends. I'm on top of a mountain. I'm safe. I've got snow here. I'm blessed with this view. I'm blessed to be experiencing this in Southern California. And I just, every time I go to a summit, I just have that fulfilling uh, feeling. When I meditate in the morning and, and some of my guided meditations, they ask for, think about a, play, a time in your life where you've been very grateful. And I always go back to these peaks. It's, it's one of the things I'm grateful for that I always think about are these peaks. You know, it's, it's a Zen moment for me. Man, that's really, I really love how you talk about the mountains now because you weren't talking about mountains like that before. So the transformation no. is so cool to see, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's the mountain will humble you. It will humble you. Nature likes to humble all of us. That's oh, the, I've been humbled so many times. Uh, I think that's uh, what COVID has uh, done for us. Nature will humble you and make you reflect about your position in the world and how you're going to move forward. Yeah, and also what just really matters, right, in life. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Mount Harwood, Mount Harwood was special because we also had the entire summit to ourselves, and that's what's cool about that peak. Because Mount Baldy Peak is very popular, and there's there can be a lot of people up there. So just the three of us being on Mount Harwood was just kind of like, wow, this is, a, this is such a treat. We have the, all the snow capped cliff to ourselves so that was really awesome mm-hmm. and then to close the loop on this bal- this baldy experience we went down the ski hut trail which is incredible because you get to experience different landscapes we went down the ski hut slash baldy bowl trail we saw the ski hut again which we took refuge in so that was really funny to see that and uh you know you go- you descend into a forest and then back to the trailhead and i really love this route of going up the devil's backbone up to the summit and then going down the ski hut trail because it's just like, it's a loop. So you get to mm-hmm. experience all different terrains and landscapes. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like my final thoughts on on that second Mount Baldy attempt with our whole group. And so at this point, guys, we had done two of the six for the SoCal Six Pack of Peaks Challenge. So we were just on like a mountain high, right? Yeah. And we're like, okay, what's next? So Every two weeks. Every two weeks, yeah, or every other week. And... The next one was, then this is a favorite of a lot of local hikers. We did Cucamonga Peak. Oh, yeah. And I believe it was June. Was it? I think it was the beginning of June, June mm-hmm. 7th, I believe. And I told you guys, I was like, yo, so in the Mount Baldy area, there's also Ontario Peak and Cucamonga Peak. And I was like, let's go to Cucamonga because I actually had not experienced it on a clear day because I mm-hmm. did it with Francis during like a late May storm in 2018, right? So it also was like, I want to go there to experience it myself during a, a beautiful sunny day. And the most amazing thing about this hike was, oh my God, like I'll never forget this hike, was just we were blessed with the most majestic sea of clouds. Mm-hmm. And what I want to reminisce with you about is, so to get to Cucamonga Peak is this beautiful, is this beautiful forest area called Ice House Canyon. And you have to trek through Ice House Canyon to Ice House Saddle. And then when you get to the saddle, which is kind of like the intersection where you can go off to like the three T's or Cucamonga or Ontario, that's kind of where we saw that like sea of clouds, right? And that was like the feel that was like the feeling that today was gonna be a special day on the summit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was um it was interesting because I never thought that I would have an experience on top of a mountain where I could see clouds like that, but also not be cold 
you know, it yes, wasn't cold. Yeah. It was really, it was warm. It was just perfect weather. I had my shirt off. You know, we just did a huge mountain. If you've been off Kukumana Peak, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And just to see all those seas of clouds and it's warm, it just it was mind boggling. So I just love being able to going up to be able to go up a hill and see seas of clouds forming inside of valleys because that's what we first saw we were going up Cucamonga and there was a valley and we saw this bed of clouds just creeping in and that was beautiful and then just going up the actual mountain and just seeing it creep in more and then you started telling us oh my god we're gonna see the sea of clouds and so you were excited and so I was getting excited and I think it was once we got to the top and we saw it it was so majestic because when you're surrounded with that many clouds, then you realize just how far up you are. <laughs> and so it was really cool to see that and also how a lot of the peaks makes you look like you're on Mount Zeus or Mount Olympus. Yes. Um, and so it's um, it was really cool to see that. And uh, the other, just, just, just knowing that, that's available in California and, and, and Los Angeles. It's a treat. So anyone who hasn't been up there, you should go up there. It's uh, I feel so. If you're on Instagram a lot, guys, and you see like a a, a really majestic sea of clouds on a dramatic like ledge, it's usually Cucamonga Peak, mm-hmm. and a sea of clouds specifically from the Cucamonga Peak summit is just it's. I'm just speechless when I first saw it. My jaw dropped because like what you said, you feel like you're on like. Mount Zeus or Mount Olympus, right? Mm-hmm. And and the actual summit of Cucamonga is, I think it's a favorite of a lot of people because, you know, there's an actual ledge that makes it mm-hmm. look like you're going to fall off the cliff. And there's also little pockets and corners that you can kind of isolate yourself in that mm-hmm. have also really dramatic ledges as well. And just the, it's like at the right elevation because I think Cucamonga Peak is like, it's like 8,000 I believe 800, 600 feet. So it's like at a mm-hmm. tall enough elevation where you're just a little above the cloud. So you feel so close to it. And we just remember taking some of the most epic photos there on that one rock below the the main summit sign. And that was just such a treat. And um, yeah, I'll never forget that because that was my second sea of clouds experience. My first one was at San Bernardino Peak. Mm-hmm. But this one on Cucamonga was just so spectacular and it was just so great to experience it with like all of you guys, the Just Trek crew, mm-hmm. Matt, Ray. So it was really awesome for all of us to really soak in that view. And then remember what happened afterwards after we ate our lunch and got all of our photos? We did our first official summit cipher. Yeah, we got into a little dance uh, dance circle and um, it became a tradition. And what's funny about that is that you go, you, you go up a mountain like that, your legs are burning, your legs are tired, you're done and you're prepping for the descent, but someone put on the music and we just started dancing. And I love that experience. That was, it's a magical experience because there's being on a mountain and, and summiting, you feel free and you feel confident, you feel strong and you accomplish something big. And then when the music comes on, it's almost like, why not? (laughs) <laughs> like i just why not i just conquered a mountain like why not dance so we dance we you you found some people to dance with did some salsa with a girl up there i remember you and ray did a little yes, salsa yes. sesh and um i just love the feeling that i love the feeling of being f- a free you know freedom to me is one of my values and so 
dance is freedom. Um, hiking is freedom. So to have those both on the mountain is, is truly spectacular. And I think that people who do see us on the mountain and you hear music, just jump in. All right, just jump in, get down with us, groove, do whatever you got to do. You don't even have to be a dancer. You just, uh, if, if you can walk, you can dance. Okay. So yes. just go in there and just shake your booty. All right. Shake yeah. that booty. <laughs> If you if anyone sees a random circle of dancers, it's probably us, the Just yeah. Trek crew, coming to a summit near you. Exactly. Book us for then, your uh, for your upcoming events. Yeah, it's we just won't like, disappoint. It's, <laughs> you'll be like a Jabberwocky show on the top of the mountain. I think that's what I love about our crew too. At least the people that uh, I consider a lot of people in the Just Trek crew, but like us specifically, like a lot of us have dance background so mm-hmm. for us to kind of do that like exchange of movement and dance on top of a summit it dude it's just a spiritual experience you know it is because i think that that was the same peak where we all started uh trying um freezes oh, um, no. on top of the rocks yeah, and so we all smart. tried yeah we all tried to you know freeze and um we either pulled our backs or uh, injured our wrists on that one. No, but we, 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 we stuck some, we stuck a few, we stuck a few freezes. Yeah, we definitely did. I definitely felt super old trying to do a baby freeze on top of the peak <laughs> without falling over to my death. So, <laughs> so this hike, I was super proud of you because this was your longest and most elevation gain uh, out of all the hikes that we had done so far. I think yeah. it's, so the, the length is no joke. Cucamonga peaks like around 14 miles the elevation gain is 4,000 plus feet. So um, I think I remember you said that that mountain really was a challenge for you, correct? Yeah, um, that was a mountain where I said, I need better shoes. Uh, the shoes make a huge difference. And so I, um, my legs were hurting, my knees were hurting. I think mm-hmm. that it was a combination of the shoes. And also, I think... I think I f- didn't use hiking poles then. I only used them um, sporadically. So mm-hmm. I think now I've learned, you know, we'll talk about that later, but I've learned that really your shoes and the hiking poles really do help when you are going up mountains like that and walking and hiking for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know we'll get into that later, but it definitely alleviates so much stress going up mm-hmm. or down. It's like your extra pair of legs that definitely um, saves you the <laughs> the pain that is awaiting oh, yeah. you afterwards. That's uh, that is for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also uh, when we got up there. <laughs> I just say it for everyone out there: before you go up a mountain, don't eat too much. That's all I gotta say. All right, just 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 leave it feel, at that. Just leave it at that. Just don't eat too much. Okay, just. Bring the bare essentials. Don't try to bring like fourteen protein bars and five <laughs> sandwiches and coconut water and Gatorade and whatever it is. Just that's what Ray would do. Keep it simple. Yeah. Sorry, we keep referencing Ray. Ray's part of the Just Trek crew. He summits salsa. He's also gas station partners. It's <laughs> just he's a it. he's a special person in our crew. <laughs> so we did Cucamonga Peak. Big accomplishment. Now we completed half of the SoCal six pack of peaks challenge, right? Mm -hmm. So the next peak we were supposed to do is a beast. It is called San Gorgonio. It is the tallest mountain in all of Southern California. It stands at 11,500 feet. 
the length is insane. It's anywhere from like 18 to 20 miles. And it's a monster of a hike. It's it's a it's part of the original six pack of peaks challenge, and it's the mm-hmm. last one that you're supposed to conquer. But we were just like, whatever, let's just throw it in there as like the fourth peak that we're gonna do, right? Um, so what I want to get into with this hike was can you describe what happened that morning with yeah. you and then the adjustment that you had to make? Yeah, yeah. So again, a few days earlier, um Justin throws out this text with 45 items and i knew that okay this is going to be a serious one and (laughs) after you know a night's rest i i wake up and it's it just feels strange i I, it it felt like um i was getting up at the wrong moment it's it was i knew something was wrong so i went to bed and i was prepping for waking up at 3 a.m i wake up and i see the clock and it's five and I freak out and I look at my my phone and it's turned off. And what I realized what happened was is that I plugged it into the wall, but the charger wasn't working. It just wasn't charging. Oh, and no. so I slept past my alarm. So I'm sitting there, I plug it in and I'm just waiting for it to actually um, turn on. And then when it turns on, I call Justin and Matt. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I, I slept past my alarm. And they were telling me, oh, we were wondering what happened to you. And you were telling me that's happened to a lot of people before. And don't worry about it. Shit happens. And it's too late for me to meet up with you. And so you said, okay, we're just going to go up this um, uh, mountain. But you know what? You should do something solo. You know, Don't feel like you have to you know, quit on this one. Like, Do something solo. Exactly. And that actually inspired me. And so I, was, I just went on the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge website. And I looked up all the different types of hikes I can do. And I just saw Mount Baden-Powell and uh, I picked that one and started driving. And this was within an hour of me talking to you like, dang, I missed this hike. Because at that point, like, I was just prepped. I was ready to go. Like I was ready to go up San Gregonio. And so all that anticipation and I missed my, my, my I, I sleep past my alarm and I missed the mountain. Like, no, I'm going to hike that day. So I found Mount Baden-Powell, drove out. I mean, it's a far drive. You know, you go around the San Bernardino Mountains. You go yeah, into it's like the, the back town. side of the mountain, right? Yeah, there's a there's a small town. It's like starts with an F um, or something. And I got my adventure pass, go up. And I just go out and venture off my, on my own. I don't have all trails. Actually, I do have all trails. I didn't download my map. So I just, I just went up and I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to follow some people. And um, it was cool. I love the feeling of being on a mountain and people are there to help you. So, you know, I just ask people, Hey, how do we get up to the peak? And they say, Hey, just go up this way. And it is switchback city. There's so many switchbacks. It's just steep and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's beautiful. It's, it's shaded. So you don't have to deal with um, a lot of heat and sun. And it's a beautiful hike through a forest and it's not hard it's um it's relatively easy and i think that the 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 summit is is cool it's beautiful you know there's some uh history towards um behind it about the eagle scouts i forgot if it was baden or powell but um getting at the top there's a lot of great viewpoints and i got to the top and like i said before i had my cell phone with me and a little selfie stick i made a little video and i just had a nice little spiritual moment you know by myself and 
before that, I've always hiked these mountains with my friends. And then being on a solo hike by yourself, it's another feeling of liberation, you know, feeling free on your own, feeling accomplished. You conquered something by yourself. And it's a very Zen moment, you know, being on top of that. I was there for about two or three hours just meditating, looking at the mountains. Um, I don't, it's funny because when you're up there, the silence, you either take the silence as a nuisance, not a nuisance, but as boredom. You kind of have to be bored with the silence. You kind of take silence as a sign of uh, awareness, self-awareness, being there in the present moment. So it's like either you be there in the present moment and appreciate safety, you appreciate you know what's around you, you appreciate you know nature rather than turning on music or checking your phone or finding something to do, I think that time slows down. And that's what I love. You know, I love the moments where you are just so present that time slows down and all you have is you, your thoughts, the mountain, nature, and the wind and silence. And I I love that. I just felt very much like a monk. And so that's why I really felt that. It was a really special moment because that's, you know, throughout the year in COVID, there are moments where you have to deal with yourself. You have to deal with isolation. You have to deal with your own thoughts, negative and positive. And so you do have to look at yourself and see, am I able to accept myself and love myself enough where I can be alone with myself and be okay with that? And some people aren't okay with that, you know, and some people are. And it's it's uh, it's still still like a weekly, daily monthly um, lifetime struggle, you know, um, being alone because humans have survived all these years with tribes. You know, we all survive because of tribe mentality. We would have been eaten by saber toothed tigers if we didn't have a tribe. And it's built in our, in our, in our, in our bodies that we, we, we are, when we are born, we need love and human touch to actually survive at the same time. The reason why a lot of us fear not being loved or not being enough is because we still have that tribe mentality that if I am alone, I will be killed by lions. So I need to be loved and accepted by a group in order for me to survive and have my kin and, you know, there goes my, you know, uh, uh, continue my legacy. And so that's how I felt, you know, when I was on the mountains, I like, all right, I'm okay with myself. I was like, okay, cool. I am okay being alone. I am okay being, you know, with myself. And it was a very empowering moment. Damn. Bravo to you for like being proactive and just solo trekking and choosing a mountain on your own and doing Mount Baden Powell and just kind of going through that whole solo journey and having that Mm -hmm. long, deep conversation with yourself. Like everything you just said was super powerful, especially you talking about the whole tribe mentality. Mm -hmm. I think, that I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's so important to have solo adventures and solo hikes as long as you're not being stupid about it and reckless, right? Yeah. In 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 a in uh in conjunction with group hikes and being with a tribe, I think both are they're both very intertwined and much needed on both ends for sure. It is. It is because I, I, you need to be confident in yourself. I think building that self confidence physically, knowing that you can go up a mountain without dying and also without having to ask others for water or for food or for, you know, medical assistance. You know, there's accidents that happen for sure. 
But when you're able to go up a mountain and you feel fine up top and you accomplished it and you still have food and water, you feel like a champion. So it trickles down to the rest of your life. Like, okay, I have yeah. self-confidence that I can get up a mountain and not die and also have enough to go back and then have the energy to drive down the 23 or whatever that highway is. True. And through the mountains, which is such, such a beautiful drive, everyone. Like I really oh. do want to say that going through the Angeles National Forest through that freeway, I think it's the two or 23, whatever it is, it's a beautiful drive. Wow. Yeah. I haven't done Ma- Mount Baden-Powell myself, so that's definitely on the list. Thank mm-hmm. you for such a great description. I'm sure I'll make it out there before the end of the year, I hope. Got but it. But I, I just want to comment real quick before we go to the next one. Like I was so freaking proud of you when you made that decision to just like you were super bummed out and me and Matt were super bummed out that you weren't able to join us because we were already two, 20 minutes from the trailhead right mm-hmm. like for you to be just proactive about it and just be like you know what I already planned to hike this today and I want to keep on pace to do this to complete the SoCal six pack of peaks challenge with the rest of my crew like that decision like meant a lot like to me especially because I was like yo like he's about it he gets it mm-hmm. like he's I saw the transformation really happening with you even more impactful like at that moment. So I just want to give you mad props on that. Oh, thanks, man. I think it's um, a combination of also your guidance with the other hikes, knowing that when I had all trails, I had the right equipment. I had just more previous knowledge from three, four other mountains beforehand from you. It gave me confidence. And also I, when I'm set to complete a challenge i gotta do it i just have to yes. or else it's just a nagging feeling and so it is something that is part of my personality is to complete challenges and also i don't like being told what to do and so if i'm you know <laughs> I, again freedom if i'm if the alarm clock and the world is in, in the universe at that moment was telling me you're not supposed to go up that mountain i'm like all right cool i'm gonna go up another mountain because that's my mission for the day and i'm gonna complete it and i'm gonna complete the six pack of cha- six six pack of peak challenge no matter what i knew you were the right person for the job that's why i was like i yeah. really want mitchell to come along on this journey we're going uh, 12 with my me friend. and the rest of the crew we're going 12 we're going 12 and you will do San Gorgonio and hopefully mm-hmm. I will join you for that as well, even though it's <laughs> it's something that I don't really try to uh, put on the calendar, right? Yeah. And then, of course, we're doing Kilimanjaro and, you know, possibly Everest. Just, just do it all. Everest may be, you know, too basic and dangerous now. So maybe we'll find another hike. Yeah. It's too technical and too expensive, I feel like. <laughs> uh, so, so. Matt and I did San Gorgonio, and that was an insane experience. And then you did mm-hmm. Ma- Mount Baden Powell. So we both went on our separate journeys, and it looks like we both had two incredible days. Yep. And now we had completed four of the six. And so next on the schedule was Mount Wilson. And the yeah. cool thing about Mount Wilson is that it's closer to the city. It's more like in the Pasadena, Altadena area. And it's got this – the summit is not your typical summit. It's this – huge complex that has this observatory and museums mm-hmm. and a cafe. So yes, it's not a real summit, but I, I still found appreciation for it. Yeah. And this was in, I think this was end of June. Mm-hmm. And I want you to talk about, because I think one unique thing about Mount Wilson is that three quarters of the hike is in the shade and it's in this beautiful forest. And at the very beginning, you also have the opportunity if you want to go 
like a little, not off trail, but like on a different path, you can experience a real waterfall. Can you speak mm-hmm. to that experience of trekking through this like really lush forest and then checking out the Sturtevant waterfall and mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. Uh, what you thought of all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Because at this point, uh, we were doing two, we're doing hikes every month, every other week. And so exactly. my, um, my legs and my body and my mindset and just my confidence was way up. And so we went to Wilson, it was on a weekday, which was um, cool. And as like a workaholic like myself, you know, I had to put my fears aside that I'm not going to experience a, a meltdown in my business. And so it was really good to know that I'll be okay spending a Friday or a Monday. It was a Monday or a Monday or a Tuesday or something. We went out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think Tuesday, it was a Monday. Yeah. A whole day. And then so I was like, you know what? F it. No, I'm, everything's good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And so going through, uh, a forest like that on a Monday when no one's around and it's usually people are at work. It's a, it's a, it's a great feeling because again, freedom, you know, we're on there on a Monday on a work day. And so going through like a waterfall and seeing a waterfall, beautiful waterfall and during a weekday, during a work day, it's a real you know, waterfall. It gives it's you not this your feeling uh, of freedom and, and also appreciation for what you've done in your life to get to that point. You know, like this is amazing where other people are working right now. I have the opportunity and the blessing to be at this in this mountain and I'm able to do it in a way where I can be with my friends. I'm not doing this by myself. So that was really cool. And it was just a beautiful hike. You know, the falls are amazing. The, on the way up, you stop, you stop by like a summer camp or like a camping spot with yes. some lodges Start with, a, with a huge swing. And so we had our moments going up there and it was really fun because I think that's when you told me last time you had to use this mosquito net because there was so many mosquitoes. And so I was prepping oh, yes. for bugs, but we didn't get bugs. And so I was happy about that. And at the same time, the way up there, I mean, we just did Baldi. We just did Cucamonga. I just did Baden Powell. And so going up Wilson, I don't want to say it was easy. It's just I, w- I could take it. And so we were going up the, the mountain and it's, it's just it's beautiful, man. It's shaded. You know, there's some great views, um, streams, um, awesome switchbacks that are like on the side of the mountains that overlook these green pastures. Like it was just beautiful, yes. man. And so I think the all the training beforehand really prepped me because that's when I found my flow. That's when I was using my hiking poles and it was, I was getting my pace down. I think we were by that time at the end of the trail, we clocked in, I think our average is like two miles an hour or something like that. I think it's two miles an hour. Something around that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really cool and impressive. And and I I just love the idea that I now know how to use my body to, complete these types of mountains because it really is what the way that you the way that you s- climb up the mountain and hike it's how you use the it's how you distribute your weight on your thighs on on your glutes and on your knees and your feet um i know that's kind of uh technical um but when you start doing these hikes for me personally as like a fitness enthusiast it's it's knowing how to distribute the weight on equally and evenly throughout your body so that you don't over uh, extend a certain body part or, you know, um, put too much weight on your left or too much weight on your right, or else you're going to be unbalanced. So I knew my balance. Like I just knew my balance and the hiking poles help a lot. 
And so going up and down the hill, uh, the mountain, it was really great to feel that. Like I know my body now. So I know how to deal with situations. Like let's say I roll my ankle. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know how to um, distribute my weight so that I'm not hobbling, but at least I'm putting weight on the stronger leg. Or let's say that um, something happens with my knee, my knee starts to hurt. I knew how to hike and walk and distribute my weight again so that my knee wasn't hurting. Um, I was putting a lot of weight on my right foot or whatever it was. And I wasn't, I wasn't slowing down. I've just figured it out. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things I, sh- I could figure out, but that was the mountain when I figured out my body. Yeah. You were definitely in like optimized hiking like shape at that point because mm-hmm. I was trying to like you were going at a pretty fast pace and I was like yo like I'm kind of impressed right now I was trying to keep up with you at that point and I noticed that you had like your flow and your technique so it's yeah. really cool to see that because after you bag like three four peaks you you everything starts to click you know what I mean yeah you know I mean you know like because yeah. like I told you every morning I, I I work out so I do hit workouts I do kettlebell workouts I do body weight workouts calisthenics and so I know my body and so that at that point, and even now, like I'm not perfect, I, but I know how to shift my weight and use my core and sure. really focus on certain parts of my body to really um, uh, uh, either lift heavy weights or um, hike long distances. And it's if one part of your body starts tiring out or cramping, then you have to activate other parts of your body to compensate. True. Very true. And so when we trekked up Mount Wilson, we eventually made it to the summit. But unfortunately, a lot of the places that would have been open, um, but due to COVID, they were closed, such as the Cosmic Cafe, the Observatory, the the Astronomy Museum. So uh, Mitchell wasn't able to experience that. So we only got to have like, you know, the the actual summit experience was, it was okay. It's a really Mm -hmm. large architectural complex so it's beautiful in that regard but it would have been even more ideal to really go inside of the museum and learn the history so we had a good time we had a good time up there we ate our lunch we had another summit cipher mitchell found a really epic tree (laughs) that was like really sketchy that he climbed up i took a bunch of photos (laughs) and he got me really worried and anxious and then yeah we made it back down uh we we did it as a loop so we went down on the other side of the mountain i believe winter creek trail and Mm -hmm. yeah we made it back to the car, and at this point, it was this was five of the six, right? Mm-hmm. And that was just like the realization, like, yo, we got one more to go, right? And that was like, yeah. I think, especially between you and me, we had a lot of excitement. Me more, me being more excited for you, especially because I had just completed my first SoCal Six Pack Challenge last year, right? Mm-hmm. So the cool thing about this last mountain that we did for the for the challenge to complete it was. Mitchell was actually the one that suggested this because last year I had done Ontario Peak as my completing finishing hike. And I totally forgot about Mount San Jacinto. Mm -hmm. And Mitchell was like, yo, I think I want to do this. What do you guys think? I was like, yo, hell yeah, let's do it. Because Mount San Jacinto is the second tallest peak in all of Southern California. And it's in the Palm Springs area. So it's, you know, it's further from where Mitchell and I live, which is why I think I kind of just put it off in my head. But we were like, yo, let's do this properly. Like, let's make it a celebration. Like, let's book a room, whether it's an Airbnb. But like what what ended up happening, Mitchell? We <laughs> we booked we booked a casino suite room. Like, can you can you just go yeah, over that so <laughs> real quick? The reason why I wanted to do this 
outside of LA was because it's summertime. We've been in LA for so long. I want to make a sure. little road trip. Okay. I want to do a little road trip. And so I wanted to do it with my friends. And I think the best way to do it is to, you know, uh, conquer and bag a peak and jump in a jacuzzi afterwards and, you know, relax the body. That was the, yes. the plan. The plan was to get an Airbnb after the Airbnb, uh, after the hike, we'd go down, grab some beers, hop in the jacuzzi, drink, kick it and celebrate. And that didn't happen because of COVID. You know, of course, a lot of things were closed and it was hard for us to get like a really reasonable place in Airbnb during that time. And so I didn't know what we were going to do next until Matt had a connection at Pachango Casino and we ended up getting a suite there. And so it was a rather nice suite. Yeah, it was so cool because we we were able to go to Pachanga um, the night before. We slept there the night before. And, you know, it was me, you, Matt, Kelly, Steph. And we were just so hyped to be at Pachango, to be, you know, in the same room together, getting really excited for the hike. And so we didn't really sleep. And we had the night before we, we were going on a little dinner slash food prep um, shopping spree. And so you ended up getting this huge chicken meal, um, so which we ridiculous. have photos of. He he ate this huge um, two fist size chicken breast on the top of the summit, like a gangster. And so we, the, the night before we didn't have, we didn't have any sleep. We didn't get any sleep at all. And so we woke up like an hour later and not energetic, but I was like, let's get up. And I was like, whoa, let's go get up everybody. Let's get it. And so we turn on the music, we all take showers or whatever we, you know, how we, whatever morning routine we had, we got up and we got to the, it was still dark. And so on the way up there, it was so beautiful. Like the sun was rising as we were driving there. So imagine having your taillight, your headlights on and then on your way on. And then as the sun is rising, you see the mountain. And so it was ominous. It was so cool. It was like, oh, we're climbing that. And so, you know, we're so, we're so used to the Angeles and then of course the San Gabriel and the Santa Monica mountains. And so when you see a new mountain range, it's, it's epic and it's, it's refreshing because now you see a new challenge. And so we go up there, we see something new and it was just really cool to experience San Jacinto with you guys and everyone in the crew, because like I said, we've been doing Angeles the whole time that you kind of get to you get you kind of know what you're going to see. I don't want to say you like it's all the same in the Angeles and San Gabriel Mountains. It's just that when you're in this San Jacinto like Idle Wild area, it's just different. And so I love being up there. It was a long hike. Uh, it's it's a it's a leg buster for sure. And what was beautiful was that we took many breaks on the way up. And there's so many great view, viewpoints. We reached the rocky point where we so saw. Many this beautiful view of the, of San Bernardino or Palm Springs, whatever it was, Hemet. And then also we go up and we find a meadow, beautiful green meadow that looked like it was from a fantasy movie. And then we start going up and you see camping spot, like a random camping spot. I think one of the names was like uh, uh, grimy, canyon or something like it was just a really yeah, funny like gully name. granite gully, gully granite, granite was one of them gully granite okay that's where i want to stay next time and um on the way up there was also sections where it was steep rocky and also open and then it was shaded i 
it was beautiful, man. I just, just thinking about it now, reflecting on it, there were just so many different scene changes. So getting to the top, it was epic because you see a 360 view around you. You know, before in the Angeles or San Gabriel, you look around, you see other mountains. This wasn't a view like that. You look around and you just see flatness. Like you are on the only peak in that area. And so it was outstanding because it was a six peak. We're celebrating, having a great time. And other people were also completing it. So it was just this community um, affair. Everyone was celebrating. And also, you're so exhausted. We started taking naps. You know, we were eating our chicken breasts and sandwiches <laughs> and our uni sushi. It was so bougie. It was so funny. Like someone brusted out a freaking, you know, uni um, hand roll. And we're there just eating, having a good time and me making my videos as always. And it was uh, it was cool to see others enjoy the summit the way that we were just sitting there looking over at all the different views, but also people taking naps. I just remember looking around like there's the people taking that. We're all taking naps right now. So that was really fun to do. And um, being the sixth peak, it was it was a very fulfilling moment. It was a very exciting moment. And I felt accomplished. And I also felt um, really proud of myself. You know, with this year, a lot of things that could get you down, like I said, like earlier, you know, it's your perspective. And to ac- accomplish something like that, when I've never hiked these peaks before, like I, I did six pack of peaks challenge in six months, I think if any, really five months. And so it's, an accomplishment for my physical, um, uh, for my, uh, you know, for my physical body. It's an accomplishment for my mental health because to push through the mountain like that, it does take a lot of, you know, mental willpower. And spiritually, man, like it, it really centered me spiritually because I knew that, you know, the big man upstairs has my back. Um, I was put there in that moment for a reason because it really it really showed me that I was powerful, that I was capable and I'm competent and I'm also strong. Yes. yes so yes. that it just builds up on top of you in all areas of your life. And that's why I'm just crushing it right now. And I'll continue, I'll continue to crush it because again, these mountains are just a metaphor in life, man. Like these are challenges in your life that you can either um, quit and go back home or you can conquer. And I really do feel that a lot of people out there who are experiencing um, depression or, uh, low self-esteem or even just uh, lethargy, lethargy or just fatigue or anything that makes you feel just upset and depressed in this situation. You need to find a way to be outside and hike. I don't know why more people do this. Um, and I think a lot of people think it's just such a, I don't know, a waste of time. But I really do feel that if you are able to hike and go up these mountains, it doesn't have to be these big mountains. It could be just another mountain. You're just going to feel more confident in yourself. I really do believe in that. And I think that it's a great way for people who are dealing with mental health issues to um, treat that. I really do feel that. And that's why I think that down the road, I want to find ways where what you're doing, really take people out of their comfort zones and out of their um, homes too, to experience this and just feel better about themselves and be outside of nature and actually um, be in a state where they can combat COVID, you know, get their immunity up, get their confidence up, get their self-esteem up, get the stress out of their body and then be a stronger person. Man, the, uh, the mountain gives so much when you put it all out there. 
Yeah. And everything you just said about how much it gave you in terms of just like the confidence, you unleashing your more of your inner potential and bringing that energy from like the summit to your personal life and your career. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I felt when I bagged a lot of these major peaks and more challenging ones in 2019. Like there was one peak I'll never forget. It was Iron Mountain. When I got Dang, to the top, I right. literally felt I felt invincible. Like mm-hmm. it was the first peak I ever like jumped up and down on the summit. And I'll never forget how that flowed into my personal life when I got back to like LA, right? It was just like I just felt like a badass. I felt like I could achieve anything that I wanted as long as I prepped and put the effort and time into it. It just really reignited this whole like like unlocking my potential again because during that time a few years ago, I I had felt like I kind of like you know, just floating around and plateaued in my career and whatnot. I did some cool mm. things, but you know, being in the mountains and exploring it and just pushing myself really unlocked another gear inside of me. And I'm glad that you found that by pushing yourself on this challenge, right? Yeah. Like, that was such a huge accomplishment to con- to complete the SoCal six pack of peaks, especially with that specific mountain. That's no- that one was no joke. I think it was just over 15 miles or 16 miles. I think that was the most <laughs> yeah. elevation gain you had done, but you were in peak hiking shape. So <sighs> it was probably a challenge for you, but you felt good about it. You didn't feel like death <laughs> afterwards, right? No, no. I mean, just you saying 15 miles. I mean, come on, <laughs> y'all. Like we're, we're, we're hiking chill, up a mountain yeah. for what 15 miles. And like now, like we just did um, Ontario and I was, and then you told me 15 miles. Like, oh, just 15 miles. Oh, we got this. You know, and then like that's a sub man. And you saying you saying Gregonio is eighteen. I'm like, that's oh, only three miles more. And then of course Whitney, that's the one that has me thinking. Okay, I need to prep for that one. That's over twenty, right? Twenty two, yeah. And if you do 22. it as a day hike, it is. Uh, it's no okay. joke, but I know you can. I know you can tackle it if you prep. Uh, if you prep yourself, you know, I've done it before. I have a lot of friends who have done it, so I can definitely, you know, give you all the tips and advice. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Ontario Peak. I, I'll just touch upon that real quickly. Recently, yeah, yeah. we did Ontario Peak and Bighorn Peak. And this was, I think, your seventh out of... Actually, now that we're talking about it, Mitchell now wants to do the 12-pack of Peak Challenge. Yes. Since he just completed the six-pack of Peaks. And him completing Ontario and Bighorn Peak about two weeks ago was uh, another step towards another challenge. So I was like, damn, Mitchell's about this peak bagging, like, this peak bagging life, and I love it. And it's just funny that you mentioned how, like, when I say, like, oh, yeah, the mileage is, like, around 15, 16, you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> it's just, like, yeah. before it would be, like, um, shit, okay, well, I really need to prep and, like, get my body up to par and everything. So, it's crazy yeah. to see how much you've built yourself up. Oh, of course. I mean, it, it also translates to my my workouts now. Like, when mm-hmm. I feel retired, I just say to myself... You can do 15 miles hiking, man. Like, just get past these squats. Like, come on, sure. it's just a squat. Like, just don't trip on these squats. Um, and also, it goes down to energy and stamina for work. You know, when I have to write a pitch, like I have to do <laughs> later today, like writing pitches and decks and proposals. And it, it's, yes, like it's first world problems and everything. And that's where you realize, I just mm-hmm. climbed 15 miles. Why am I complaining about this? Just shut up and do this pitch. And so um, that's why I think that it's very crucial for a lot of um, people out there who have, who want to really work on their self-confidence. It's going up a mountain really is a great way to build that confidence. Great. uh, Yeah. It's so big for self-esteem, especially just realizes Mm -hmm. that you're a badass. Yeah. 
Um, so from bagging all these peaks, Mitchell, from Baldy to San Jacinto, Mount Wilson, Cucamonga, I want to know, um, is there any tips and advice that have greatly helped you the most that you can share with the audience or for people that are getting into, you know, summiting more of these longer, more challenging kind of day hikes like a Mount Baldy? Yeah, you should um, drink eight cups of coffee beforehand, and then you should just wear um, a chainmail outfit and then um, flip flops. No, I'm kidding. Um, you should actually really prep yourself the day beforehand by sure. drinking a lot of water, like you said, um, and also getting a lot of rest. I do believe in rest. The thing is about these hikes is that you're getting up at 3 a.m. And so trying to get rest it, it by sleeping at, let's say, 7 p.m., it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's tough. It's so a challenge. It is a really big challenge. And so you really just have to make that day not as strenuous on your body or mind. And if it is, if it's a work day, then just try to find your way to bed to at least get four hours of sleep. I think that rest is huge. Um, also, the thing I've learned is not to eat a lot. Like I said earlier, I used to be the kind of person where I'd be a smoothie in the morning, get to the mountain, eat a protein bar, halfway up the mountain, eat another protein bar, snacks, and then up in the mountain, eat a sandwich. And the reason why I say that is because it A, it makes your bag heavier and then B, you know, like it just makes you have to go to the bathroom like at the peak. And so what I've learned is that you really just have to time your meals and also um, eat the right things. You know, it's 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 good to have carbs um, and sugars so you can have that energy, that burst of energy. And of course, protein as well. Um, and having the right type of foods to have a light bag is very uh, helpful. So I've learned packing light so that you have a bag that isn't heavy, a light bag. Um, also, the amount of water really helps. I've learned to carry a water bladder, but at the same time have it a canteen or water bottle so that you can put in liquid IV or any hydration powders or whatever you like to put in your water to actually um, hydrate. Hold on one sec. No worries. You're Hold good. It's my alarm. It's time to wake up. We're about to go on a mountain, Mitchell. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's another thing too is alarms. You need to put your alarm on and make sure you wake up. Um, and so, yeah, you for the for the water. Uh, bring in, for me, I like a lot of water. So, as uh, Justin likes to say here, it's two one liter for every two hours. And Correct. so, um, I like to bring at least three liters, and then have my canteen with liquid IV or Isogenics um, hydration, whatever it is. You put it inside there. Have a canteen just so that you need a. And let's say you also have one of those um, water filters, those portable water filters. You need yes. some kind of cup or container that you can pour into. And then I've learned about hiking poles. Hiking poles are the shit. You need these to really just take care of your legs and make sure that you have the stamina to make it through the whole hike. And socks. I use compression socks and, of course, the toe socks. So I do wear toe socks and then I put compression socks on top of that. Having the right shoes is very, very important. I've learned from Justin and also Matt about using trail runners. I have Columbia shoes and they work really well. Um, having the right pants and shirt and base layer. When you are hiking, I sweat a lot. And so I wear dry fit and I don't like getting um, scratched and um, cut open like when I'm on the trail. So I do keep long pants. I have pants that are 
uh, UV protectant, and also they turn into shorts with a zipper. I like having to have a long base layer or long sleeve dry fit and then long pants because when you go through brush and you get cut, um, yeah, I can take it. It's just that it's annoying when you have to deal with dirt and then possible um, infection and also just getting blood all over the place. It's just, it's a pain in the ass. So um, having that base layer is important. And then having a down jacket just in case and having the right hat making sure it's dry fit and also that it blocks the sun out of your eyes and um, keeps you nice and uh, dry. So get the dry fit. And honestly, that's it because having that's water, yeah, having water, food, the right outfit. Um, and also just making sure that you know how to use the hiking poles. It's a, uh, I think that's the best tips that I've learned that really helped me. Dude, that's a lot of great stuff that you uh, that you said there, and I'm glad you were able to share that with the audience. Yeah, and remind me as well. Mm-hmm. So, Mitchell, check this out. I want to also I, we've talked a lot about your outdoor journey, but I consider you a Renaissance man. You're one of my most multi talented friends, right? Well, thank you. And I want to get into an awesome platform that you have created, and that is the Video Content School. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me more about what exactly that is? And also, after you kind of uh, explain what it is, uh, provide like tips and hacks when capturing content in the outdoors. I know our listeners would love to learn some of that as well, because I've seen all over my social media feed, people creating more videos and mm-hmm. or building their brand. So I would love for you to talk more about that. Yeah. So a video, con- video content school is an online course and community that teaches you how to make videos to grow your brand online. And I could either be your company or your personal brand. And I created it because I went to film school. And when I went to film school, I learned how to create films and the theory behind films, but I didn't really learn the business of film. And so when I graduated and got, to, got into the entertainment industry, I felt like my creativity and my dreams of being a director were stifled. And so I started a YouTube channel. That's how I met um, Just Rock or Justin. Just and Rock. we, I, um, you know, I uh, started filming by myself, grabbed the camera and started filming. And during those years, yes, I went to film school, but they didn't teach me like the, the field, being in the field as a, as a, as a director. And now the the name is videographer, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So being a videographer in the field, um, filming, there are a lot of things you have to learn. And I didn't learn that in film school. I learned how to, you know, operate a camera, three point lighting and all the grip and gaff stuff on set but didn't learn about a DSLR and how to use shutter speed and how to um, film with an ND variable ND filter, all this technical stuff I learned from years and years of experience. And I wanted to create a, uh, a school or an online course that taught, you know, filmmaking basics and also like in the field experience and also the tips and tricks. Cause I didn't get that when I was, uh, you know, just starting out, I didn't get that. And I felt I, had so many years of trial and error and failing that I wish I had someone to tell me like, here are the shortcuts of how to make a really great video without spending way too much money on equipment or hiring a big team. Because a lot of us now want to be able to film on our phones while we're on the go, especially if you are a hiker or a traveler out there. And so I've traveled around the world and I've shot with just my GH5 or my mirrorless camera with a drone and I've created some beautiful videos that got me free stays at five-star resorts in Cambodia 
Um, they've gone to me free tours um, wow. in New Zealand. I've, you know, created videos other than that, you know, for Spotify, Sony and Red Bull and all these different brands. And at long story short, I wanted to actually teach people how to create videos that, so they can tell their stories and spread their message. Because I believe that video is the best medium to tell your story and also get your message out there, especially during this time uh, where everyone is watching things on their phone or online. And I want people to experience that freedom of video. I want people to have the power of video to use to spread their message and build their brands and empower themselves in the communities. And so my video content school um, really teaches that. And you can find it on videocontentschool.com. I have some free online trainings. I have a free webinar coming up on how to film during COVID. So I just directed a show for HBO, a brand of content series for Colgate, as well as a um, a, a Amazon ad campaign for a fruit bar called That's It. And I did that inside of my house. I did the Colgate on location and I did HBO remotely. So I teach in this webinar how to film everything during COVID. I'm also COVID compliant. I just took a certification. So I have a certificate nice. to be a COVID compliance officer. And so that webinar is coming up soon. So just um, follow videocontentschool.com, watch our online training. And on online training, I teach you how to create a content strategy and also how to film videos on a low budget. And for a lot of the times that I was traveling, I learned a lot about how to film with your phone or with your mirrorless camera on the go. So I'm going to give you tips with your phone and then I'll give tips to the people who want to use your DSLR camera. Mm-hmm. And with the phone, it's all about... Um, making sure you have some kind of tripod, gorilla pod, selfie stick that you can use so you can film yourself. Um, it's great where you can film the landscape, but when you can, fi- when you can film yourself and in um, different parts of the scenery, it makes your, vil- makes your video look more relatable rather than just a bunch of scenery. And I've learned that because I used to just film scenery, but it wasn't until I started featuring my face that people actually liked it and engaged more. And so find ways to film yourself. Um, also, switch up your shots. You have your wides, mediums, and close-ups. And so you use your wides to uh, pick up the establishing shot. So where are you? So do a wide pan, tilt, or static shot of your location. And then do medium shots of you and your selfies or um, things that you think are look cool. And then get close up. Get some details. Details of flowers, details of water, details of leaves, details of animals. You can get that close. Whatever it is, you should have a variety of shots. Because in the editing room, you want to have the the visual um, components for a video all set up so it's not just one single, um, uh, what is it called, uh, point of view. So it's not one single um, sh- frame size. So you just don't have one wide frame. You want to have wide, mediums, and close-ups switched off back and forth. And you want to keep it interesting. So go from a wide to a medium, medium to a close-up, close-up to a wide, wide, close-up, close-up to a close-up. And it's <laughs> nice. a visual language. Um, and then another thing you want to do as you're you know, going up mountains and traveling and on whatnot is that you want to have a case <laughs> in case you like drop your phone. So please have a case. And sometimes you can get a case that has lens attachments. And so if you want to get fancy with it, you can get lens attachments for your phone and you can have a wide lens, macro lens, you can get really yes. close up. And if you want to get even more fancier, you get a gimbal. So if you get yourself a gimbal, you can have some really cool moving shots. And you can create shots like, um, you know, tracking in, uh, tracking or dollying shots going in or side to side. And you can do some awesome uh, selfie shots with a stabilizer. 
And then when it comes to just um, editing in general, um, edit to the music, edit to the beat if you can. And if not, if that's not your style, just make sure that your music fits your tone, fits your fits the mood, and also that it doesn't overpower your your vocals or your or your your vlog. And so, other than that, when you have DSLRs, if you want to get even more fancier, DSLRs and drones. For me, who have you know flown drones over World Heritage sites in Japan, and over New Zealand and Europe, um, well, not Europe. I don't think I had the drone in Europe. But what I've learned when you're flying your drone over Cambodia and all those places too, is that you need to have <laughs> you need to keep your eyes on the drone. You also have to um, make sure that your drone knows its return spot if you have a DJI. And because when it gets caught up in the wind, like I had in New Zealand, and you don't know how where it is, you need to press return to home so it comes back home. So don't rush with your drone. Make sure it knows where its home spot is so that if it gets taken away by the wind, you can press return to home. Have your battery chargers. You have extra batteries so that you don't um, end up with your camera running out of battery. And also, um, when your DSLRs, just have one lens and try to just have a, a lens between like a... 18 to 100 focal length, like an 18 to 35, 24 to 70, 70 to, 70 to 100. But I really would suggest having a wide wide lens so that you can crop in in the in the future. But having a 24 to 70 is a really great range, or an 18 to 35. And then I know it's getting really technical, but um, also make sure that you have an ND filter. So when you're outside, if it gets too bright, you can actually block the sunlight coming in. So you can have more of a shallow depth of field and that you also don't have blown out footage. So get an ND filter and then get a mini LED light if you want. So you can fill in some um, lighting or, you know, film at night and uh, make sure that when you are filming that you know what your um, frame rate and everything is and you know what your picture profile and your white balance and everything is um, in tune. So just really quickly, you know, if you're shooting 24 frames per second, do a 50th shutter speed. But if your cameras uh, can do degrees, do 180 degrees, film in 4K, 60 frames per second. If not, do 1080 and 60 frames so you can get that slow motion. And then, of course, um, white balance is daylight unless you're inside. So, you know, make sure that your white balance is good. If not, just keep it on auto white balance. And then when you have your f-stop, Make sure that you know if you want shallow depth of field, it's a low f-stop number. If you want deep depth of field or everything in focus, it's a higher number. But if you want a really good lens like look, you got to keep it between four or five point six or above. Um, but around four f four or f five point six or f six. All right, that's super um, wow technical, but that's my advice. I just want to say that you dropped so much gems <laughs> and so much knowledge, like. For everybody listening, as you can tell, this guy has much experience. Definitely check out his video. It's videocontentschool.com. Yeah, videocontentschool.com. As you can tell, he's done so many projects. He knows what he's talking about. He just broke it down for you. Just gave a lot of free tips and advice. So definitely check out his online content school and also reach out to him if anything that he just said right now really resonated with you on his Instagram, which is just Mitchell Doomlau, which I'll make sure to include at the end of the episode and all the social media. And I just learned a lot right now too. I was like, damn, Mitchell's like, he really understands his craft and he just really broke that down for me and the audience right now. Yeah. Thank I just you, man. Ref- I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Like, I'm, I'm passionate about it. Like it's no joke. Like I, 
trust me, I can go on for about two more hours on all the nitty gritty stuff, but that's what I do for my online school. So check out my online training and also just at the end of the day, do you just film, mm -hmm. just film what you like and just uh, use Magisto and they have templates. That's what you're using. And so uh, don't feel like you're not good enough to film, just film, get it done. Just film. I love it. Yeah. Mitchell has actually helped me a lot on, you know, giving me tips even with the podcast. And then I got into vlogging recently and he's given me like some really awesome platforms to check out like Magisto and other uh, tools to really like up my social media game in terms of the Just Trek platform. So I'm very grateful for him as a friend as well. So thank you very much. Hell yeah. And another endeavor that <laughs> so you, you just do so many things. You I actually do. have your own podcast, which is called the I Creative do. Haven Podcast. That's right. And I've listened to a bunch of episodes and you have some incredible guests. Can you talk to me more about what exactly the Creative Haven Podcast is and the kinds of people that you interview and the value that listeners could extract from maybe tuning into your show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just what I was riffing about right now. It's a lot about video production and also how to use videos to build your brand. So if you just know who, what I'm trying to do in the world is just trying to help people learn how to use videos to build their brands, or I make videos to help people build their brands, personal or, or their companies. Mm -hmm. And so the Creative Haven, it started off with the mission of inspiring people who are creative people, who are artists, who are stuck in a nine to five job, who don't like where they are in life, but are too afraid or embarrassed to pursue their creative passions. And what I wanted to do was actually create a podcast that they can listen to to feel inspired and also get motivated to actually work on their passion full-time or part-time. And it came because when I was working full-time in the Hollywood industry, I would not pick up my camera or buy a camera because I felt that I needed to have a desk job to have a professional life so I can be normal like everyone in society rather than be an artist and go out there and film. And so I just felt embarrassed about my uh, my creativity about being an artist. And I said to myself one day, this is enough. I don't like this. I'm not fulfilled. And so it wasn't until I really saw others doing it that I felt like it was my turn to do it too. And so Creative Haven, I interview today's top artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs about how to get into their creative flow and also how they use creativity to build their brands and just a bunch of other questions about their own lives and how they've used their creative passions or their creativity to build other people's brands, their own brands, their own careers, and also just how they like to get in their creative zone. Because one of the missions of the podcast actually is to help people figure out how to get into their creative flow state. I think that people have their different types of um, preparations to get into their pre uh, creative flow state, whether it's exercise or um, going outside and going on a hike or watching um, a, a certain type of uh, a, a piece of content, whether it's a documentary or a music video, listening to music, um, taking a nap, whatever it is, you know, there's different ways to get into your creative flow. And the reason why I want to do that is so that people can be more creative. I feel that creativity is a big gift that God and the universe has given us in order for us to evolve and innovate as a human society. You know, if we don't have creativity, we can't innovate. So I think that a lot of the guests that I've interviewed are, you know, I have a New York Times bestselling author, Alec Ross. I have a TEDx speaker, Terry Wu, who's also a, yes, um, yes. a neuroscientist and a neuromarketer. I've interviewed people like uh, founders of 
really big production companies and marketing agencies to uh, people who have won Clio awards and 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 people who have uh, you know created amazing um, art for uh, you know the Sci Arc architectural mm-hmm. building in downtown LA. And so it started off with artists and designers and creatives, and now it's really focused on um, videographers, filmmakers, people who make videos, and people who are in video marketing and marketing, because I really wanted to niche it down to how can you use video to build your brand and how do you make videos the best way and how creativity all plays a role in that. And so the value you get out of it is that when you listen to my podcast, you'll get tips on how to create you know, great videos, also how to use videos to market yourself, also just different marketing techniques and how to build your brand. And so it's information, it's inspiration with information or information with inspiration. So I want to give you informative guests um, and topics and talking points and information. And also I want to inspire you with great stories. And so that's what Creative Haven is all about. I really just want to inspire people to get creative. I really want to inspire people to um, get out of their shell and be artistic. And I also want to teach people how to build their brands and how to build themselves online. And I'm not talking about being an influencer or you know getting millions of dollars of sales. It's just inspiring you to just be yourself and not be afraid to show the world. Okay, I really do feel that if you're able to show the world and express yourself and feel free, again, I told you I value freedom, you will find fulfillment. Dude, you've inspired me a lot and I've learned so much from listening to your podcast. You have top-notch podcast guests, I must say. I've been very impressed with the the roster (laughs) that you've curated on your show. And where can everybody find the podcast? Yeah, so it's on iTunes and Spotify and Deezer um, and all the platforms, and it's Creative Haven. And um, you can also uh, find it on Facebook. You can just find my Facebook page. If anything, just look up Creative Haven Podcast, and it should pop up on Google. And yours truly might be coming up on a future episode. That's right. We did an interview two weeks ago or a week ago, and it was great because you know, we talk about hiking on here, but we also, you know, discuss Justin's uh, marketing and creative background and his story from yes. dancer to, uh, you know, a marketer and then manager and then, you know, and a, a, a community manager, but also now an entrepreneur and a hiker. But I'm sure all, a bunch of other things in between. So I'm going to have you just wait for that episode is going to drop, I think, next week or two weeks from now. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, if you guys want to know more about my background and where I came from to this point of being like Just Trek and a hiker and exploring these local mountains, definitely tune into the Creative Haven podcast. Yeah, hell yeah. All right, check this out. We are at my favorite section of the show, and it is the rapid fire question section. Sick. Yeah. So check this out. The way it works is there's two rounds. Round yep. one is outdoor focused and uh-huh. round two is more personal. Sweet. So just answer with one word answers or just very short and concise answers. Let's get it. You ready? Yep. You ready, rock steady? All, all day. All yes. day. All day, every day. All right, here we go. Round one. Favorite okay. trail snack. Favorite trail snack. Wow. So that is um, almonds walnuts and raisins jeez all the nuts yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
hike in the mountains or sunbathe on the beach? Oh, dude, you know, man, just, I, I, I'm a beach person. I got to be on the beach. That's your origin Sorry, in Santa man. Barbara. Oh, oh man. man, you disappointed me with that one, <laughs> bro. I'm a beach. I'm a beach bum. I love being in the mountains, but just you know. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> trail runners or hiking boots? Ooh, trail runners. Rock scrambling or surfing loose scree? Ooh, rock scrambling. Desert or deserted island? Oh my gosh, deserted island. Waterfalls or lakes? Ooh, waterfalls. Favorite hike in LA currently? Oof, I was San Jacinto. Nice. Oh, actually, that's outside of LA. So oh, that's outside think of LA. LA County. Okay. Think LA County. Oof, gosh, you're going to have to throw me in there. Uh, it is. What happened to you, Baldy, then? Awesome. Favorite piece of outdoor gear? Hiking poles. Yes. Dude, they're so <laughs> useful for so many things. Dawn or dusk? Ooh. Man, I'm Dawn because I'm uh, I'm a night person. San Gabriel Mountains or Santa Monica Mountains? Oh, dude, San Gabriel. That's too bad. But yeah, San Gabriel. National Park you want to visit the most that you have not already? Wherever Whitney is. Oh, actually, you know what? Sandstone. Sandstone? Where's that? Is that Sandstone? Where does it go? No, no, hold on, hold on. Yellowstone. Sandstone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Yellow, you got Sandstone Peak right here. Yellowstone National Park on the record. Oh, yeah. And one word, how does hiking make you feel? Fulfilled. What's your ideal outside temperature? Ooh, like 70 degrees. Nice. So that concludes round one. We'll take, I feel like uh, that's, dude, I feel like that's like a psychological, uh, like a breakdown that you can actually you know, analyze and figure out my personality from that point. Like if you didn't know me, you just gave that to a psychologist or someone like, yep, I feel say, you. like okay, he likes waterfalls. That means that. <laughs> yeah. Little do you know, I'm submitting this to a personality <laughs> test researcher. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll jump into round two. I'm just going to drink some water real quick. What is that called? Myers-Briggs test? Is that, is that what Sounds you're trying to do familiar. to me? Yeah, probably. Yes, yeah, my Myers Briggs uh, personality test. Oh, I, I actually want to go back to one question. Let me yeah. ask it. What is your favorite type of landscape in the outdoors at this very moment? And for example, I mean like desert, forests, mountain, cliffs, glaciers, etc. Oof, man. Oh gosh, you know that's 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 crazy. You say that because like just thinking about all the different things that I like being in a water. I like being in a water situation. So lakes. So awesome. I like rivers and I like rivers and lakes. Yeah, I need more lakes in my life, and that's why we were trying to explore the Eastern Sierras for your birthday recently. But due to all the crazy <laughs> wildfires, we had to play it safe and just reschedule. Yeah, the uh, gosh, there's these um, there's this really beautiful river um down in new zealand it's called the new zealand what's that one place queenstown oh i can't even, i can't even think about the top of my head it looks like jurassic park oh wow uh, you know what i'll have to bring you to on the bridge to nowhere hike because that is a epic uh river adventure before you leave yes yes um please man anywhere we'll definitely make that happen all right round two you ready yes you ready rock steady Oh, of course. All right. Let's get it. Favorite comfort food? 
Oh, favorite comfort food. Ooh. Oh, man. If you're Filipino out there, it's kare kare. Oh, my goodness. My Pinoy brethren. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to know that. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, by the way, this the New stuff. Zealand thing I'm talking about, Milford Sounds. If you, oh, my God. Milford, Milford Sounds. Milford Sounds? Okay. Me, motherfucking beautiful. Anyways, wow, okay. let's go I'll on. look it up after this. Yes. Favorite cartoon show growing up? Ooh, Ren and Stimpy. Yo, that, that cartoon show is so wild. Good answer. Yeah. You can, Favorite? You can just see how crazy I am. Yeah, I mean, I liked it a lot too. It shows how uh, <laughs> it shows how crazy we can be. Favorite emoji? Woo! It's the um, it's the devil emoji, the purple one with the smile. Yo, I like that one a lot too. Favorite MMA fighter? Because I know you're into the UFC hardcore. Oh my goodness, Israel Adesanya. Say that again. Israel Adesanya. Oh, no. oh wait, is that the guy who's also like uh, he can do b boy moves? Yeah, the middleweight. Uh, he's, a, he, he's a beast. He's the new one. He's he's a he's a freaking beast. The guys are amazing. Favorite music artist right now, or if I have to rephrase that, who are you listening to the most at the moment? Ooh. Oh my gosh! Yeah, just someone now, who comes off um, off the top. You know, someone you, you know. I know. I know. It's it's. I know. It's. Uh, she's been big this year, but it really, it's just coffee. I've been listening to a lot of coffee. Yes. I love the coffee music. Makes me want to dance all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm an Afrobeat person right now. Love Afrobeat. Yeah, you're also just an incredible DJ. Oh, I think you mentioned that on the podcast earlier. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Few favorite music video you have directed. Oof. Um. It's the one I did with Leo Black. It's called Bus It. Bus It. Nice. Yeah. Favorite venue slash club you have DJed in LA? Ooh. You know, or oh bar God. or lounge. I mean, all those are venues. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Hold on a second. Yeah, take take a moment. I know you've, you know what? you've done Virgil. it all over the place. The Virgil. There's a lot of I have a lot of great um memories there and connections there. The reason why too is that when I first moved to LA, I went to a boombox. I think it was a it was a I forgot what it was called. It was a really awesome party that was like really popular during the time. And it would be at the Virgil. Mm-hmm. And it was called Buddha Lounge or something. It was a different name back then. Oh, nice. And I was sitting in the, the audience. And it's like, I'm going to DJ up there one of these days. And then yeah, a few years later, I was up there. So it was really cool to be, you know, to manifest that. Yeah, the Virgil is a super poppin' place. I like the two rooms. You threw your own monthly party there. Like it was a blast having yeah. DJ there and going on stage with you and just being a hooligan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing is too is that there was a time in my early twenties where I used to go out to different um, LA clubs. I think there was one, the Spider Club, the one up top of Avalon. Oh my I used to god! Throw part, um, mo- the um, Blue Monkey, like there yes. was the Grand Star. You know, dude. Shout out to LA clubs like back in like two thousand and eight and ten. Popping. Like I would, we would like the place called Black. It used to be called something else, the Virgil, or it was called it was something else. It was called something else. But I've also DJed like the Avalon, like mm-hmm. way back in the day, just random like side room stuff. And uh, now that I'm just thinking about, it, I've DJed a lot in LA. Like it's just it's crazy. Just even for you to ask that question, because I'm like, oh my god, I've DJed a lot in LA. in LA. I had to throw it at you, man. I was like, I can't ask, I cannot ask, not ask that question. Yeah. All right, on to the next app you are currently using the most besides Instagram. Ooh. I'm kind of um oh my gosh. Uh 
You know what it is? I'm actually using this um OnlyFans? <laughs> no, no, it's 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 like a can I check my phone to see what it is? No, you know what it sure, is? It's yeah. like hold on, let me think about this because I get nerdy and I uh check this app. It's called Elevate, which is like a brain games like app. I like the word. It's called Elevate and it's just it's really nerdy. Um, but I like it. Uh to be honest, um, Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom to play with my photos. Makes um, sense. And, you know, I've checked my uh, my screen time lately because I put mm-hmm. a big, I put a limit on my phone, all social media for only 15 minutes a day. So I don't go on oh, social nice. media that much anymore. So <laughs> the app that I've been using a lot, it's been telling me is my email app. <laughs> checking my emails i know it sounds really like i sound i sound really like lame right now but i i've i've made it a a point this past month or two to not use my phone often like it's just it's it's a it's a it's a mission for me not to use it all right the email the email app for the record that was my first one favorite superhero Ooh, wolverine Ooh, wolverine is a great one if you could be any animal what would it be Oh, it's a tiger. That's so like lame. I'd Describe yourself in three words. Um, oof. Oh yeah, bold, um, capable, and um, bold, capable, and. It's either magnetic or um, captivating. Yeah, it's bold, capable, and captivating. Great. And this is the last question. Favorite sound? Ooh. Let me see. Take a moment. Oh, ocean waves crashing. Ah, that's a great one. It's so soothing and calming. Yeah. Well, that concludes the rapid fire question section. That was really fun doing that with you. It's always a lot of good moments in that. Love it. And um, before we conclude the episode, I want to turn the spotlight back to you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any final words or thoughts that you would love to impart on the audience? It could be about anything. It could be about the outdoors, what we're currently going through, whatever you want your final words to be. Um, Everyone out there who are dealing with the craziness of the world and really figuring out what to feel, how to say things and what to say to certain people during sensitive times and how to, what to do with yourself and your life during COVID and the lockdown and the election and everything that's going on right now. Just know that there's more to life than what is on TV, on news, on social media, being outdoors, seeing the mountains, being outside with people, your friends, your loved ones, when you learn that if you're healthy and you're with your friends and family and you have food to eat, you have water to drink, you have a place to stay, you're good. You're, you're better than most people on the, in, in, on the planet. So be really appreciative of like where you are in life right now if you are in a situation where you have all those things. And if you are in a really dire situation during this time, and I know I understand people have, you know, you know, sicknesses and and immune disorders and and also just going through tough times with their personal lives you know there's always a brighter side of on the end of the tunnel on the end of the tunnel and that 
there's a plan for everyone. I know that it's very, you know, lame to say that or corny to say that, but it really is. I really do feel that during this time of COVID, I found there is a plan for me. It's a plan for everyone. And we're going through the situation to really learn about ourselves. You got this uh, opportunity to put a meaning on this. It's either a positive one or a negative one. You can either build yourself or be a victim. And I feel that we're at a point, a very big turning point today for election day. Um, and you can either see it as for the good, the bad, or something that's going to affect your life. And I think that the people who take control and charge of their lives rather than having life control them are the ones who are really going to succeed and live a very fulfilling life. So that's what I got to say is that I know there's a lot of tough things out there and I know that there's a lot of things that could get you down, but, you know, put a place of a different meaning on top of it. Um, Your beliefs is what's really going to change your life and also um, determine the direction of your life. So figure out what those beliefs are during this year and how you can change them or magnify them and intensify them to really achieve what you want to achieve. What a great final thought and what a great way to end the show. Thank you so yeah. much, Mitchell, no problem, for being bro. a guest on my show. I yes. have so much high regard for you. And I just want to say thank you once again, Mitchell Doomlau, Just Trek Podcast, Inspire, Motivate, Elevate, and we're out. Love y'all. Thank you so much, Justin. Bye. Peace. Thank you, gracias and salamat for tuning in to the entire episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are streaming on all the major platforms. If you want to send me a message, email justtrekofficial at gmail.com or slide in my DMs on Instagram at just.trek or on my personal at justrock, J-U-S-T-R-O-C. If you would like to support my creative endeavors, check out the merch store on justtrek.net slash shop. For more outdoor inspiration, make sure to check out our website. We have blogs, vlogs, and trip reports. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a wonderful day, and please remember to just keep on trekking.